We're all gathered here today to listen to a dwarf cast by Ganymede and Titan. Start the tape, please, Holly. Awoga, this is a dwarf cast. Hello and welcome to Rediscovery Series 4, a dwarf cast brought to you by Ganymede and Titan. This is the series in which we reminisce and reflect on those glorious Red Dwarf DVDs originally released over 20 years ago in many cases. Uh, And this week, obviously, we're concentrating on Series 4, which is the creamy coloured one on your shelf. I'm Ian Symes and with me as always are Jonathan Capps. Hello. And Danny Stevenson. Hello. So, Series 4 was... One of the most interesting releases, and for interesting, say really annoying <laughs> for us. <laughs> as, as slightly teased at the end of the last one when I suddenly remembered why it was different. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so in America, they used to release each pair of DVDs together in the February, whereas we got ours one at a time in November and February. And for Series 3 and 4... The dual release date in America was about 10 days before the Series 4 release date in the UK, which was a fucker. So that was the reason why we all went out and bought multi-region DVD players. (laughs) Which were always (laughs) the cheap ones. early 2004. (laughs) The the multi-region ones were always the cheap ones because the region protection costs money. So that was was good. I think it would be definitely the other way around these days if you're buying an old one. And there was a website where you could go on and they could like teach you the special secret code that you can put into your DVD player yeah. to make it free. Yeah. Blew my mind <laughs> when I discovered that. Yeah, I think the one I got was like 40 quid from WH Smith. And then, of course, imported from Play USA, I think, was a, Play a, USA. a thing. Yeah. As simple as that, yeah. <laughs> but what was particularly annoying for me was on the day that it arrived, I was at an interview at a university. <laughs> which was the university I ended up going to, Middlesex, in North London. So I was having to go down to North London from Birmingham, sit and do the tour, do the open day, and then have my interview, and then come back knowing that the bastard DVD was there <laughs> because my sister had messaged me to say it had arrived. Uh, Fucking longest day of my life. Yeah, but still, it, it, you, you knew it was there, and it was just uh, just going to top off a a good day you know? yeah but what I also knew was that <laughs> it would have arrived for that cunt Capsy from the White Hole as well <laughs> yeah and that he wasn't having to go to London for the day no because I went to Teesside University and they didn't need interviews for Teesside University they just needed a letter from your doctor stating that you are alive <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, this was the one of two times that I, that I got my review out first. and um, By a few hours. A few hours, yeah, because like you, you were a better, faster writer than <laughs> yeah. Newsflash. You released yours late on, the, on that night, and mine was early the next morning. Yeah. So yeah. there was uh, different publication dates, but, yeah, it was close. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, you know, everyone was waiting for yours anyway. What was the score yeah. at this point? Was it 3-1 or...? Yeah, it was, but I think for the first one, the white hole didn't exist, so it was a pyrrhic victory. (laughs) (laughs) It was like it's like Australia retaining the ashes due to a load of rain happening on the fourth test, that kind of thing. (laughs) Pinpoint the day we recorded this. (laughs) Well, one of them. 
could be Saturday, could be Sunday. It was weird as well. Like, I don't know if this was a placebo effect, but I'm pretty sure that because the video had been encoded to look good on NTSC, it consequently looked shit on our old CRT yeah. you know, televisions because no one had TFT technology, any flat screen technology on their TVs at that point. Um, I seem to remember it being blurry. Yeah, that smeary effect that you yeah. get with NTSC stuff that's uh, not being fully converted. Yeah. I'm still a little bit confused, really, as to how PAL and NTSC kind of impact on things. So I always thought that the TVs were just hard and not compatible with, with each other's content, but I guess they are. They must have been. But, um, yeah, it was unideal, for sure. Yeah. But I think this might have been the last DVD. Well, when did we realise that we could email to entertain and get review copies? <laughs> it might have been I, five. I think it was with series seven. Oh, okay. Is my right. Recollection when, when we were. Well, I'm not sure. Part yeah. of the whole. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll find out because I always look back on the reviews and when they were published <laughs> when, yeah. when, I, when we do each series. So find out next time. Yeah, as soon as my reviews stop. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's my abiding memory of this one. Is it's something that would only have affected the handful of people that cared enough to go and import a copy. <laughs> Everyone else would have been, oh, fine. Just yeah. completely able to live their lives without even knowing that it was already out there on the other side of the world. That would include me, because I don't remember ever having this issue with the American. <laughs> yeah. I don't know whether the Play.com just arrived a bit early and therefore I was like, eh, whatever. But, yeah, I don't have an American version, because don't they have a different cover style as well? Ever so slightly, yeah. Yeah, they've got, they don't have the chopped-up logo on the spine. They've just oh, they got... don't do that, yeah. Yeah, the black bar is at the top rather than the bottom from memory. I think I ended up selling all of my Region 1 at some point. I they got quite good money as well. Because after this, I went through a brief phase of like, oh, let's get all of the Region 1s, you know. Yeah, well, I've got an multi-region player now for this one yeah. purpose. So I yeah, might exactly. As well. So I may as well you know, start a collection, and then I did, and then <laughs> I don't think I bothered after Series 4 and then sold them in the end. I remember getting the American Life of Brian because the only version in Region 2 didn't have any extras whatsoever and the Region 1 was a Criterion collection thing oh, that had extras. Out. Yeah, there's there's a version of, is it Spaced? Or like, even like a lot of Edgar Wright stuff, which is like, in America they have a hundred commentaries from like Trey Pack and Matt Stone and loads of other people. Oh, Look Around You, there we go. Yes. Look Around You really? has a shitload yeah, the American version has an absolute shitload of commentaries that we don't get and I am shocked and appalled. That we don't That's have bizarre. Yeah. Uh, it was the same for the young ones at one point when I think now all those extras have been collected in the in the more recent releases. But the for Blue a long Ray. time, the yeah, the only young ones we had were vanilla. That standard like BBC old comedy DVD with the white background yeah, and the cut out and the yeah, yeah sideways col- like coloured spine. Yeah. We were terrified that Red Dwarf could end up like that. And we were like, mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. refer back to Rediscovery Series 1, where I think we, we, we were convinced that if we got DVDs, that's what it would be like. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think somebody mocked up one of them as well. Me. And knowing GMP, if it hadn't been for you know Andrew, then maybe that would have happened. Yeah, I think that is literally the case. I think he said at some point that they wanted to release Red Dwarf straight away, but they, GMP persuaded them to wait and do it properly. Only by, you know, a year or two. It wasn't like they were yeah. particularly tardy, but it was enough that we were saying, why hasn't Red Dwarf been released yet? I think we had that exact conversation in the first one of these <laughs> podcasts. Yeah, well, so we're, we'll see. we're very old. We're very old. One of us is now 40, so... Um... Guess which one in the comments. Yeah, comment below and guess. 
<laughs> engage. Engage with us. What, what do you reckon? What do you, what do you reckon? <laughs> My other memory of this one in particular is the posters of the cover. Yes. Which there seem to be thousands of them dot, like knocking about. Like everyone I know who's a Red Dwarf fan seems to have two or three copies yeah. of this particular but like we've all got a series four poster, multiple yeah. ones. Yeah. Yes. There's loads of DJ. I <laughs> yeah, the fan club acquired like a box of five hundred or something. <laughs> <laughs> And were maybe they started the weekend selling them, but by the end they were just handing them out as you leave. Yeah, type I thing. think yeah, they would. I think they were literally giving you them as you walked out the door. They were like yeah. just like pounds. They go. Do you remember going on the stage and just taking our pick of the posters? That's where mine came from. Were you supposed to do that? Yeah, yeah. James said, "I just fucking <laughs> get the posters off the stage." Yeah, we used to we used to go scrumping for posters. Yeah, exactly. So my the one that was in mine and Seb's house that was off the stage DJ. 06, must have been 06. 05, I think. 05. So just before I moved down to London. So Actually, yeah. 04, the Bedford one must have been the most recent one for Series 4, but maybe they were old by the time we got Oh, yeah. I mean, remember, remember how long the, the wallets stayed around? Yeah. <laughs> like, once there was like a box of. I mean, shit, when we joined the fan club, there was still the fucking key rings from the 90s and, yeah, the wallets and all sorts. First day. That's the first day covers, covers. Yeah, yeah, the first day covers are still being given God away almighty. now. Yeah, there was, there was like, we were walking out with like fucking wads of those, like 50 at a time. I was like, just take them away from us now. <laughs> we need to store the them. Cost, the cost of transporting them back and forth from DJ to James's house <laughs> is too much. Yeah. We were literally um, using was note paper at one point. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> we were genuinely running out of paper. We just used them. It's as like, paper. yeah, they're like Deutschmarks in. You know, 1950. Yeah, it's like, yeah. When inflation made the pengo, yeah. like, just... just... <laughs> yeah, funny one. It's like, I almost have, like, a memory of, like, like Series 2 DVD almost felt a little bit underwhelming just because it was the second iteration of the formula we first got with Series 1. Mm. And then this, this is almost the same, because apart from the documentary, which was great, obviously... There isn't really anything else that was like, oh, I can't fucking wait to have that. Because can't smoke, won't smoke was everywhere. Yeah, yeah it's the kind of... It's not a flaw in the system, but no. it's a it's consequence of the system that they're produced in batches of two. So there's always, with the odd-numbered series, it's always a huge leap forward on what went before. Yeah. And the even-numbered series are equally as good as what went immediately before. Yeah. If you were to compare this to series one and two, it's miles ahead. Yeah, but it's yeah. yeah, but it's on a par with series three and therefore yeah. and yet both two and four have one of the extras that makes up the running time is from Red Dwarf Nine. It's stuff that we already had, it wasn't produced specially for it. It's mm-hmm. obviously deserves to be on the DVD and needs to have been preserved and archived for mm. DVD. But as a hardcore fan, it's not one you get excited about. If you are a more casual fan and you you know, you either didn't watch Red Dwarf Night or you just watched it as it went out and didn't record it and watch it over and over again for years. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. you're like, oh yeah, well this is cool. It's got this extra thing with Ainsley Harriet cocking about. I think by, by that point as well, the commentaries weren't really the the exciting draw oh, that they once were because we kind of we've heard it all before pretty, pretty much and even yeah. more so with this we'll get on to them but even more so with this series it really feels like they are 
I think they were recorded before the documentary, but you're mainly getting all the same stories again, all the same comments. Yeah, I listened to the commentaries ahead of this and made a few notes on interesting tidbits, and the majority of them, <laughs> when I watched the documentary, I was like, oh yeah, it's also in the documentary. Yeah. So that was a waste of time. Yeah, well you get the bit where Robert wrongly says Ed was off for Whitehall because of his kid uh, being <laughs> yeah. born. And then in the documentary, Robert says, oh, I thought it was this, but actually it was yeah. this. So like you can tell, that's what led me to believe, to know the commentaries were recorded first. Yeah. It's understandable doing it that way around because then when they sit down for the, for the interviews, it's fresh in their minds. Up, yeah. But yeah, the commentaries are kind of like, their first, in many cases, as they point out, like first time that they've seen them in years, first time possibly ever that they'd seen them in Chris's case. Yeah. Uh, because <laughs> that was an amusing aspect of the yeah. commentary <laughs> that he <laughs> during series four was when he met his now wife and so when <laughs> when series four was aired he was up all night shagging instead of watching didn't the watch uh, didn't watch the telly <laughs> <laughs> yeah that conversation went on a bit too long for him didn't it because it was like yeah was he, met him he was desperately was like, all right okay enough for my life. <laughs> but for me listening to three hours worth it was a welcome interruption oh. from <laughs> mostly ju- it's not even bad it's just silent most of the time they're just sat watching it and craig fills the silence occasionally by just repeating a line that he's just heard yeah. Uh, it's not it, remotely entertaining. A lot of it was Danny saying something that had to be cut. <laughs> <laughs> that was the one amusing bit. <laughs> the one amusing bit. Uh, the first thing <laughs> is injustice. He mentioned. He said something about what Craig's head with space mumps looks like. He was about to say it went silent, then it came back, and it's Danny moaning about the fact that what he's just said has been cut out. <laughs> How bad could it have been? Let's instantly know. It looks like yeah. a pair of tits. <laughs> you have a face like a pair of tits. <laughs> Should we talk about the cover first? Oh yeah, shit. I mean, we're yeah, <laughs> we're in the Badlands now. We're not the Badlands, but like, God, God bless them. They had their pattern. Stretching territory. They were sticking to it. <laughs> the tricky. Pa- we hadn't thought about the color palette at this point. <laughs> No, it's nice. It's like just like the fact that they just went fuck it and just went with it. I think works. Yeah. To be honest, yeah. I like it in isolation. I think it looks good as a piece of art. I think it's. I think it's nice, um, but as part of the set, it feels out of place because it is the only one, apart from Body Snatcher, but the only one of the main eight that isn't a ship. Um, isn't an six. exterior. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's an inside and six. <laughs> yeah, but at least it's the exterior, it's the exterior of something. Of yeah, yeah, this is, yeah, it's not inside a room. It's like why is why is Lister painting that? Why is Lister painting it? That <laughs> in a spacesuit. In a spacesuit. <laughs> but I, I think we were expecting like the Justice World ship to pick one of the other ships, but none of them have that striking color in four. The colour I think of in 4 is cream, and it was before yeah. this as well. I yeah. think because it, it wasn't Justice World, because if it was Justice World, it's mainly reds and greens in Justice mm. World, and that's also... You've got... Yeah. That, so I don't know if that would You've be got Aces, Aces Dimension Jumping Ship as well, but that is red, which yeah. would be, just look yeah. the same as the first series. Yeah. I thought that maybe they'd loop it, because there's only three main ships that they'd just loop around, but... I'm glad yeah, that they didn't do that of each and gave us all distinct ones. Yeah, yeah I kind of like, I do. I do like the fact that they did, did change it up, and it was you know. I yeah. mean, it's been it's been brilliant for our style sheet. I mean, it yeah. literally, like whenever I do anything involving the series, it literally uses this color palette. It, you know, yeah, it, it, like four <laughs> in my head. It's like Monopoly. 
you break things down into like one is red, two is blue, three is green, four is beige, five is sort of cerulean. Ten is uh, eleven is blue, twelve is another blue. <laughs> <laughs> Thirteen is uh, uh, just lost something. <laughs> Back to Earth is uh, blah 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 blah. blah. <laughs> Black, maybe. Black to Earth. I actually like the fact that they kept the the covers consistent, even though they were messing with the format. You know, they were, they went internal, but they still kept. Because it works nicely as a layout on the back as well, yeah. with the kind of list yeah. of the thing, and it, it just works nicely. So there was like, if it's not broken, I mean, they could have, they could have conceivably like, because the only reason it doesn't work, the only reason conceptually it doesn't work, is because of Lister painting on the back, and they they could have removed that to be honest, and just replaced it with a couple of screenshot boxes or something, and then your concept is watertight, you know. <laughs> Cause, yeah, cause the but I think that would have been more annoying. Yeah, <laughs> than... Maybe, yeah. Just to I have one DVD that's different. Yeah, and they'd have to have done it again for eight, and it'd be like, and it would just, yeah, it would have been strange. Yeah, eight is the prison tower, right? Yeah, eight's the prison block. Kind of coloured orange. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's literally four series away. So in each edition of Rediscovery, we pick out one special feature to do a commentary on. This time, we're going for a variety pack of commentaries. We are selecting... Several smaller bonus features, things that are regulars that appear on every release but that we never seem to talk about too much because we kind of take them for granted. So what we're going to be doing is we'll go through the bonus features one by one as they're listed on the back of the DVD Uh, and for most of them we'll waffle but every now and then we'll pause and play you a commentary. A charcuterie of chat. So back to the commentaries. What an absolute git. (laughs) <laughs> Fucking, there's too many that, right we said this last time I like them all I want to hear them all talk about Red Dwarf I am a Red Dwarf fan but five is too many you appreciate hearing the five of them having put to Red Dwarf in an edited one at a time format elsewhere on the disc yeah definitely even if they're all saying exactly the same thing over and over again yeah. but I'm aware of the irony we've had more than five people doing commentaries before but like it is, it is just too many especially when it's five well, four egos and Hattie, I guess. <laughs> there isn't much ego with Hattie, but like all, all trying to, you know, get their jibes in about each other, and still endless comment about Chris's hair. Yeah. Did you notice as well that I mean, this is something that's in the documentary as well? Is that they get really hung up on this fact that they think Hattie's bald cap in White Hole was supposed to make her look intelligent, rather than like the more obvious reason is they just needed to make her look different. They wanted to make her look like Gandhi. I don't know. They get these ideas in their heads or these stories in their heads and they just won't shift, you know? Yeah. There's a bit where Danny is bollocking on for ages. (laughs) 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 Some sort of dig at Craig that's like just really convoluted and takes a lot of explaining. (laughs) After a while, Craig just, what is he on about? (laughs) (laughs) He just witters. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Jesus Christ, man. I made a note that the first interesting thing of the entire commentary is 12 minutes into DNA, (laughs) where they have a discussion about whether or not their nipples are erogenous. (laughs) Oh, because they're talking about, like, what are nipples for? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Craig seems to enjoy it, and Robert's not so keen, is what I recall. There we go, some important insight into the erogenous zones. And then the the next actual good point, in fact, maybe the only actual good point in the entire commentary, comes in Meltdown, when they say, if the baddies are executing people by firing squad, why are they building a gallows? 
That's a very good point. Yeah, that is, is a good point. So well done, commentaries. Yeah, they do a gallows for maybe for the humans. I wonder if that was in the pit. The maybe Winnie the Pooh's head is or neck is too wide for a gallows. God. <laughs> and now that he's out of copyright, I'm just saying, this yeah, is, okay. you could you could show okay. that. You could that's. <laughs> that's one for Rob's buttski. That's for the remastered, isn't it? <laughs> the Meltdown Extended Universe. <laughs> How many ways can you execute Winnie the Pooh? Jesus Christ. Oh my God, they killed Winnie. <laughs> you bastards. <laughs> um, like, I know we're not doing Series 5, but next time it's basically just no Craig, right? So it's the four of them. Yeah, because Craig was ill. Yeah, Craig was ill. Yeah, Craig was ill in 2004. I will own up to the fact that I didn't get past Whitehall when it comes to the commentaries. I've been, I, 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 I tried so hard and I realised there was just other things on the DVD that are more worth my time and my white flag came out at Whitehall. If, if you ever need to do like household chores, you've got something that you're putting off, just start watching the Red Dwarf commentaries and you'll be doing whatever that chore is within about five minutes. <laughs> I am determined to get through them and listen to all of them because even before we started doing Redisc Ovary, I've wanted to re-listen to the commentaries for yeah. a while because I realised it's like, yeah, I've listened to them once or twice each. I yeah. haven't digested everything that's in them. I haven't catalogued the information in my brain like I have with most other Red Dwarf things. But then I realise now that the reason I haven't Why? stored any information is there's no information to store. Yeah, I was hoping to get an article out of it of like the you know the top things that you can glean from the commentaries, but so far I've been I've got four of them down and there's fuck all. You could do a low and high maybe. Just a, just a low. Yeah, it's good that you're listening to them all because it is vitally important that at least one of us is professional during this process. Yeah, and I'll let you know if I found anything interesting in the next series. <laughs> well, but... I I always go in with the intention, but like I had to jump about a bit, so like I heard Dimension Jump, White Hole, Camille, you know. They are all on YouTube as well, yeah, they are, which yeah. obviously we do not condone illegally viewing any Red Dwarf things. But if you just if you can't if you don't care about seeing them synced up and you just want them as background noise you can get through them that way yeah it's interesting because uh, well if they have been copyright identified then obviously GMP have a leave it up leave mentality it, yeah. so it might not even be piracy to be honest it might actually GMP might be getting the ad revenue that would be true if, if GMP seemed to be <laughs> enforcing <laughs> any of the copyright company. or IP in any yeah. way shape or form well it, dep- it depends when everything was set up you know if it was Andrew or Seb or I doubt that um, I doubt that they've uploaded it for content match I don't think it's being ID'd yeah. and therefore there's no ad revenue commentaries is not something sure. that you're going to lose you're not going to no you just can re- you can really hear the episode is all I oh, mean. Like right. when they're not talking, you can hear it loud and clear. Um, <laughs> yeah, for vast swathes. Yeah, um, and also the music from Casablanca. I don't know. A couple of interesting things to note about clearances and stuff, but we'll come to those later. No idea what you're talking about. No. <laughs> <laughs> I will do when you say it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's it on the commentaries. So like I've already dedicated three hours of them this week. I've not. <laughs> I'm not going to spend slept. any more time. I've been having nightmares. <laughs> I'm not going to spend any more time on it. <laughs> every day in Queensland, someone is eaten by a crocodile. <laughs> Words to that effect. <laughs> so yeah, next up then uh, would be built to last. Built to last, which is a line about Starbug. 
because they went into Starbuck quite a lot this series, I guess. <laughs> I think it works on two levels. I really, I counted twelve. That's their final way. Carry on. Uh, I didn't have anything other than the final quote. Oh, I see. <laughs> I thought you were genuinely going to tell me the two ways. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> uh, the show is also built to last because yes. this is when it started to bed it in. There we go. And they were in Shepparton. Everyone was delighted about it apart from Chris. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Chris always seems he... to be the sort of the, the, the voice of negativity in this. Uh, he's, mm. he's always the voice of the other in the. Didn't uh, seem to like story. to mix with the hype loy uh, in and about the set. There's a lot of talk about like yeah yeah builders on set and stuff like that. But it's I, it was really strange like the way this was kind of edited together at the start because just like it was almost like it was just a supercut of everyone saying exactly the same thing. After being given the exact same prompt, <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, because of and course we're in Shepparton. Yeah, um, it just reminded me like how crazy to me it is that, and I guess it would have been very common, but like in the Manchester days, the set was taken down and put up every fucking week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, that blows my mind. That I was like, that's, that surely that's more expensive to do. Expensive with labour, which wasn't a problem, was it? <laughs> Yeah, and you can it means you can record five different shows in there over the course of the week. Or, I mean, yeah, no wonder the sets were as simple as they were because obviously they had to be modular and replaceable yeah. and fixable, and you know, I didn't have to yeah. have too much complicated stuff. But obviously, when you get series four, and if they weren't built like that, would they have survived storage and be able to have been rebuilt yeah. after the yeah. strike as well? So, the, yeah, so, so you're saying they weren't built to last? Well, no. <laughs> So, like, luckily for Rob and Doug, they were not built to last. <laughs> and obviously, I think well, Mel did Mel come? Oh, Mel came on board in three, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. But then he took. But then they could keep the set up, which means they could do even more with the sets and yes, yeah, so and, they, they and, must and have more the set. Well. Yeah. Like, yeah. Or, or did they, they rebuild it? I think they probably they probably transported it and then made it solidified it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I mean, they'd still have had to take it down, you know, after six or seven weeks. And yeah. store it for the next time round, but it, yeah, just saving that time in between episodes, mm. and also as they say over and over again in the documentary, <laughs> being able to rehearse on set and therefore get used to the layout and you know yeah. where where the complicated bits are. I can kind of see Chris's point about like distractions because he's obviously very methodical, yeah. and probably the most professional out of all of them, but also like surely the advantages outweigh that. No. Yeah, I think maybe it comes down to backgrounds because Chris did a lot of radio comedy and then he did Spitting Image. So visually being able to be around the set less important to him. He's more yeah. used to using rehearsals to concentrate on his performance and learning his lines and you know practicing his faces and his yeah, inflections his or whatever. Yeah. 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 So for him it's more important to be able to do that undistracted and unfettered than it is to piss about with props and set dressing which the others are more into because they're less or, well, well none of them are trained yeah oh yeah also yeah. on a character level he doesn't need <laughs> it's bad for him to interact with the set <laughs> yeah that's a good point it's, it's less of a problem for him to have to worry about that kind of stuff so yeah that's a really yeah. good point also he probably he just like... needs gaffer tape marked out on the floor to see where he can walk and that's it yeah, he only needs to hit his mark and say his lines, but everyone else has got more things to do. That's a really good point, actually. As a petrol head, he probably enjoyed like the you know big coach ride up up north every yeah. week. 
just just being on the motorway was just you know a, a weird thing about this and i don't know whether it's partly because i just listened to all the commentaries where they were making similar points and partly the the thing of the even numbered ones not being as revolutionary as the odd numbered ones i felt that the documentary took a little while to get going mm. like uh, there was nothing massively new or revelatory too early on and then well, it really did you got know into that they moved to Shepherd, later and then they didn't have to go up to manchester they could rehearse i'd outside. heard that yes yeah. i'd heard that and then i heard it 10 times <laughs> <laughs> so i might be wrong about this but right at the start when they said we could rehearse on set um blah 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 they showed a clip from justice and isn't that clip filmed in sudbury pump house yeah <laughs> when Lister, yeah, lands on the gratings, like that's that's on location. It's not even. Uh, no, I think nice. I think nice in Shepparton. I think that's up in the Is line gantry. On yeah, the countries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, you might be right. Because uh... what I found was they were using sort of the points of like that episode. Yeah, they, that bit of justice was shot in the gallery section. Ah, uh, right. Okay. Oh, there you go. Yeah, call off the pitchforks. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that being because I think they, they mentioned it in the commentary as well that they were shot in Shepparton that bit. But yeah, I can see what you mean though. There's there's bits when they're walking because the the bit when they're walking across the top as well and um, Nicholas Balls on, on the floor. But other than that, my favourite part, uh, the early bits is my <laughs> favourite bits of the whole thing actually. Ed talking about when they were recording DNA and <laughs> whenever he saw. Robert on the monitors without his mask on. He just had a gut reaction. Panic. Oh my God, they've forgotten to put the mask on. <laughs> what are we going to do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can totally see that. Yeah, yeah after doing it for years and seeing him so where you normally in. do. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then like, all of a sudden on the, on the audience stage, like, shit! Like, we haven't done that one thing we do every time. Have we to do that? When, he, when he's probably it. operating in a state of permanent panic anyway, because it's the recording. Yeah, right? you're looking out for, for, you know, you've got to be alert to something not being quite right. And then no one else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah though, though it was a good... Um, so when it does get going, it's a good balance. I like how there's so much focus on Andrea Finch makeup. Mm. Um, you've got Raggy. She's a great addition. Oh, she's fantastic, isn't she? You can tell that she she was, like, popular as well. And, like, just... and, and yeah. like transformative really like literally but that i don't know how much is this, this was down to her but the the line i made a note of is from seven hours of robert makeup down to 50 minutes it yeah. might have yeah. been a, a little bit of an exaggeration but holy shit like she said on a good day 50 on minutes a good day, 50 i think minutes. the average was still like an hour and a half two yeah hours. yeah but yeah. but still seven hours to an hour and a half and like you know she you know, she's talking about the new mask that was a slip-on, so presumably that was, you know, her technique. So she like just mm. transformed the whole thing and basically made it possible for Robert to continue being crying because there's no way that's sustainable. No, he'd be even more hospitalized by yeah, Rupert. He, would, by he now. would be dead by now. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I would be dead there. Yeah, no, it was really good. So you, yeah, you get a lot of Andrea, you get a lot of Raggy and um a lot of Ed. And yeah. um you know, clearly know what the where, where the new interesting stuff will come from is for these people that we haven't really heard a lot from. Even Ed at the time, we hadn't. Like we make a joke now about uh, we've heard about every single one of Ed's difficult yeah. shots, but we hadn't at the time. Not you know. This is no, and there. actually, series four is still underrepresented in that because they stopped the commentaries. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> after series three, but despite 
something that is mentioned in the documentary that like I obviously knew <laughs> and have done since this came out but hadn't sunk in. Paul went to every single recording even though he wasn't working on the show anymore. Right. He came in every audience night and was there. He still obviously had a stake in Grand Naylor Productions. But yeah. he he wasn't working on but the PJP show anymore. But PJP was nothing nothing to do with the show anymore. I think he was just there. there. I think he was just there as a just a casual observer at that point. Just yeah, to, just to keep yeah, it yeah. There. Not being officially part of it, but I found it really sweet, really, yeah. that he decided yeah. to do that. But it also means you were there, Paul. You saw what was going on. You can take part in the commentary. Yeah, just, come on. yeah. I mean, you directed on. one of them. Fuck's sake, yeah. just do it. Well, they did do White Hole. Yeah, they did. Um, do White Hole. That's the only series four one they've done. Oh yeah, the stories about Paul on White Hole. <laughs> like you get a you get a, a rubbish version in the commentary, and then a definitive version of the yeah. story in the documentary <laughs> about um, people were knocking in nails with their heads. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think that's true. No, not <laughs> well practiced yeah. stories though. I just like yeah. I like it's one of them things where the the joke because like that that joke becomes so told over and over again. Yeah, it becomes it's apocryphal mean. in their in their world. That is hundred percent true. That's what happened. Yeah, like yeah. It just it's, gets, it's, yeah. each level of exaggeration is piled onto it. Until well, because actors like their actors' entire reality is just made up out of other actors' anecdotes, and so that's why they're they're so weird. Yeah, yeah. So they're running off <laughs> can, people's realities. Yeah, <laughs> you can see like the evolution of the gunman anecdote about Craig on the horse. Yeah. You can see various versions of that over the yeah. years becoming more and more distorted. <laughs> um, so, am I insane? Or yes. didn't Paul Jackson literally rip the t-shirt off Danny John Jules, or was that another series entirely? No. That was Craig during series two or three. Yeah. Oh, right, the, the, after, yeah. the flight. Right, missed the flights or something, or like no, we've just... had, yeah, we've had that anecdote in a previous right. documentary. Okay. Wow. Okay, maybe I'm going because to... I this was waiting for this. Yeah, and I said I like. I think it was. I can't remember if it was Danny himself or Robert that added this detail that he had a quiet word with him. Like he didn't scream and shout. He did. He had a yeah. quiet word, but he did it <laughs> in front of everyone, like yeah. gathered round, so that he could see the bollocking. <laughs> um, it definitely shows that his. Um, he he definitely worked on his uh, kind of workplace behaviour, Paul. Like yeah, his, you know, <laughs> you know, you know t- t- any toxic workplace kind of accusations wouldn't stick. So because basically this is like this is just a really fancy way of saying Paul was very angry but quite restrained. At the yeah, end. <laughs> it was. Yeah, because <laughs> if even Ed would have would have done a similar thing, like they they say they made yeah, the point yeah. that Ed would have also bollocked him. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, Hattie says something along the lines of, like, Paul's got this reputation of being a hard case, but maybe he, he uses the reputation rather than actually being a hard case. Yeah. I think that's what yeah. think, uh, maybe yeah. it's just he, he doesn't need to lose his shit, people generally he's, speaking, because people behave around him because of his reputation. He's cracked all the heads he needed to in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a protection racket, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. We'd be ashamed if something happens here, wouldn't it? <laughs> Didn't he nail your wife's head to the floor? He did do that. <laughs> Paul Jackson was a gentleman. And what's more, he knew how to treat a female impersonator. Danny whinging about like, the exact quote is, they never gave me a girl when he's, he's talking about his version of Camille being himself. I uh, just, just made a note that, well, that ended well, didn't it? Kind of <laughs> so eventually he did. He got two girls. 
the combined age of which was less than his than age. his actual age. <laughs> uh, speaking of things that have aged like milk, <laughs> a large portion of the meltdown section uh, comes across like a uh, a pre twenty eleven retrospective on Jim will fix it. Yes. <laughs> There's a I lot know, of, of a high lot. praise for Clayton Mark. What yeah, a guy! Man. What a performer! What what a gent! <laughs> it wasn't he brilliant? And it's yeah, it's that thing of yes, he was good at what he did, but you wouldn't talk about him in those terms if you were recording something now. Yeah, no, definitely not. You just, um, I think they just ignore the topic <laughs> pretty much, wouldn't they? I remember around the same time as these commentaries were recorded, I was I was working for Defra, and one of my my line manager said that he he'd encountered Clayton Mark at some point. He found out that I liked Red Dwarf and so I'm like, oh yeah, I met Clayton Mark once. He, he intimated that he was a very unpleasant person. Then oh, well, I, I, I don't know whether it would be anything to do with what he eventually you know ended up getting sent down for. I should say as well is that Clayton Mark is still in prison, so like take that you know that's I'll cheer yeah. the heart for the rest of the weekend. <laughs> Still in prison, probably for another six or so years. He has been a wonderful prisoner. He really has. <laughs> oh dear God! <laughs> Do you think he does like performances? Uh... What, like Johnny Cash? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it was a different arrangement with Johnny Cash. Well, he was in that prison. He was literally sent to that prison properly, wasn't he? At one point, that's why he did a gig there. Oh, yeah, is, it, is that what it is? Yeah. The, okay. the recorded gig wasn't that though. The recorded gig was a visit. Yeah, it was All a right. visit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Johnny Cash, of course, the change that you get out of a condom machine. <laughs> I don't know if it's just because of your accent, but that sounds like a Frank Skinner joke. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might be. It's definitely. I've definitely stolen it from someone. <laughs> I'm still on Camille when it comes to like what what I wrote down, but uh, Mike Tucker, one of my assistants. <laughs> did he even say? Did he even call him? Did he say Mike? Yes, Tucker? he like, has said. Yeah. He, he says Mike Tucker, and he also name checks Paul McGuinness in uh, for DNA. Very tall, very thin. I'd never twigged that he does that. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, assistants rather than actually naming. Yeah, it's a new thing. <laughs> no, he's 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 got to he's got to naming, and then yeah, one of my assistants, Paul McGuinness. So um, yeah, yeah, we're, we're getting character development. What I found quite funny, and I, I shouldn't really pick pick holes in this, but it was like we had to base the the crew monster on someone, so we based it on this assistant who was very tall, and he ended up wearing the suit, and I was like, "Well, yeah." <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> like, surely that was the plan, wasn't it? We've made this based on this really thin, tall person that no one else matches, and he just—he's the he's the right he's the right man for the job. He's the right man for the job. We'll have to it was him. a. It was an early version of Hole in the Wall. Uh, <laughs> never got off the ground. <laughs> Hole in the doll. Hole in the doll. Imagine Very Raggy good. like. <laughs> imagine Raggy like up like all night, just sweating, just thinking like, "Well, we've done this fucking suit, but who the hell? Who's going to wear it? Who the fuck?" <laughs> oh no, we made a mistake making this really tall, thin costume for someone. It won't fit anyone. Other assistance, assistance everywhere, things. and not a drop to drink. <laughs> yeah, good old Reggie. What absolute legend! And he's he's on a lot, isn't he? We're going to get a lot. Yeah, love him. Yeah. Um, Craig, at one point, talking about Camille, he said that um, there was one thing about the show is it always got the science really spot on. And I just thought, like, yes, that's he's a good point, but 
it, it's not really a good point in the context of Camille. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they really they really do get the physics of a blob um, <laughs> chameleon, like just really dead on. Yeah. But I suppose it, what I think what he's talking about is the internal logic of the show. I think what he's yeah saying is yeah bit... yeah yeah yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe Camille does like. I think the internal logic does kind of creak a little bit. It doesn't matter, obviously, because it's brilliant. But yeah, if you think too much about like, how pleasure girls would work, and you end up with Rita's cabin. Rita's cabin. Link in the show notes to our um, <laughs> no, no, no. to our book club. Yeah, you must listen to it all again now. Now that we've mentioned it, was it really curry that they fired at Craig Charles? Because I don't believe him. I know that they fired something at him, but I don't think it would have been curry because it would have been entirely unnecessary. It were more expensive than yeah, yeah, than just goop. a bit of yeah, a bit of goop. Yeah, that really was curry. They fired at me. Well, he was no. eating it, so maybe it was. I think there's yeah, oh, maybe maybe they smeared a bit of actual curry on him at the end because they've got the curry in the in the thing and the, the the piping air through it and stuff. So obviously they did have some sort of you know. But also, he claimed at one point in talking about um, justice and his space bumps that the prosthetic itself was filled yeah. with custard and piccalilli uh, for when it burst. Surely not, because it doesn't burst it on doesn't screen. Burst on... Well, I, I, I thought that. Surely well. they took the prosthetic off and then. But I don't think he's in. the only one that says that. I think Andrea says that and Craig. Yeah. So that makes me yeah. think that was the original intention to have it burst on screen. Yeah, I think there was actually some like, plan so that they bu- couldn't quite get. So they shit. built it to do that and then change their mind for whatever change reason. Their mind, yeah, it's what you don't show. It's like the same thing with the DNA creature and everything, basically. Like, we've yeah. still got all this stuff. We might as well use it for something else. <laughs> and then Ed says something like, "Yeah, it, it's it's funnier because it's off screen yeah. and that it's not it's gross." It would have yeah. been horrific if you'd seen that. That wouldn't have been funny. That would have been just awful. It would have been like equivalent to fucking scanners. It would have been. <laughs> Absolutely awful because it would all the all the skin flaps. Would, oh Jesus! <laughs> That's the thing. It would be hard to because yeah, his head doesn't explode. It's like it's weird because it looks like it's his head. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's a cyst. It's an abscess. It's oh. it's something. It's like a big, massive boil essentially. Yeah. So, but the way it's constructed, it looks because <laughs> his, his hair is there. Yeah, the hair's like, like yeah. three foot above yeah, where it normally would just is. recede immediately. I just, yeah. I, but I mean, I would love to know who made the sound effect because that sound effect is just so. <laughs> it's so perfect. Yeah. And I noticed as well, though, too, the, when the show. I've, I've never noticed how fast the score turns around as well. <laughs> I've never noticed that. No. <laughs> That's really good. I used to think, as well as a kid, I used to think that Holly had some on her as well because that she's sort of slightly out of focus and there's like yeah. a sort of red sort of a. Mark on obviously it's just like the out of focus. I was like, oh, it even got Holly as well. And as a kid, I think there's like a dirty mark on her monitor or something, or a reflection of something on her monitor that makes it look like she's got something on her face. (laughs) They should have done that because like that. It wouldn't make any sense whatsoever, but it'd be funny. It's like Hermes in Futurama. It's like that raises even more questions. (laughs) Like Bender putting his own arms on with his arms, lighting a fire underwater. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that'd be. (laughs) <laughs> the meltdown discussion was quite good okay i always kind of like listen yeah. to that i like listen to all sides of the argument on that one and mm. craig pretty much always seems to have the the my uh, um, opinion that matches mine 
the socially conscious opinion, I would say. Yeah, I just kind of, you know, he's kind of got, he's, he's got fairly good points, and mm. I, I think he, he articulates them quite well. Yeah. This documentary is at its best when it's dealing with the serious subjects, because there's the meltdown conversation about war, there's also the dimension jump conversation about race mm. and about representation. Um, it seems like a more modern thing than 2004, which it shouldn't be, but it seems like it was rare at this stage to hear two black people talking about how black people are represented. Race on television, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Th- to have that section of a documentary that's about a, a light-hearted sitcom, mm. uh, to have that conversation in there seemed really bold and really positive. Yeah, and if you're going to do it with any show, then Red Dwarf's the one to do that with. Um, am I yeah. right in thinking that... Did I read it right, that Craig was the one that raised... Um, concerns about the cat being mm. a cleaner because yeah. it's really interesting because you know he did that and Robin Doug were just like oh yeah and then they changed it and ended up with something better but the way Danny's ranting on in his part of the interview he's talking about oh they want like he's fight he's arguing against the change and almost making out like it was the BBC or, or they that, that made them change it rather than the fact it was Craig that that raised it. It's a, re- it's a really know. strange disconnect. I think Danny is often confusing <laughs> in what he says. But yes. I interpreted what he was saying is that he did agree with the decision. I think when he's talking about they, he's talking about what Robin Doug originally wrote rather than the new version. Right, I see. Yeah, so he's defending the original decision, but also the the decision to change was also correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you can't you can't level you know you can't like being racist and um, having something problematic in a script you've written are two completely different things, aren't they? Yeah, and, and which is a point that Craig makes. Craig makes very well. It's, yeah, yeah, it's something that didn't occur to them, um, but as soon as it was pointed out to them, they agreed and were more than happy to, yeah. to fix it. Yeah. I think part of the argument was as well is, is the fact that the cats played a slob in Polymorph already. Mm. So I think yeah. it was just interest, interesting to just write him a different character. So from a comedy point of view, they're retreading old ground. So yeah, yeah. So maybe that was one of the other reasons, one of the other factors. It was like, well, let's do something else with this dude. Let's yeah. make him into a chaplain. Let's make him into yeah. Yeah, and most and unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, in amongst this discussion of race, <laughs> it's illustrated by Robert Llewellyn. <laughs> Doing an extended comedy Jamaican accent <laughs> while discussing Danny's uh, Danny's character, which is, you know, uh, <laughs> again, maybe yeah, something that wouldn't necessarily occur to him, and wouldn't in two thousand and four. Like I'm talking about it as if it was fucking donkeys ago. It wasn't it that of, long ago, uh, but at the time, yeah, at the time, um, I don't think many people would have batted an eyelid at Robert doing a comedy Jamaican accent, or you know, white comedians yeah. doing comedy Jamaican accents on I mean, telly in things that are, you know, popular sketch shows, for instance. Matt Lucas and David Williams were blacking up at the time, I think. Yeah. Um, on the rig. And if I'm going to be even-handed about it, Rob, um, Rob and Doug. Rob and Doug were not blacking up at the time. Uh, Vic, <laughs> Vic and Bob were. Yeah. <laughs> on the regular. So, yeah, it's it's just... It's just a change. Like the, the, there was almost like a, a period of I want to call it ironic, but like you could tell, like the the white comedians doing the blacking up and doing things like that. You you could kind of tell where it was coming from, and it wasn't coming from a necessarily bad place, but it was st- it's still yeah. in hindsight, especially. 
massively ill-advised and needed to go, basically. It was like it had been reclaimed uh, from the racists, but reclaimed by the wrong people. Yeah. Reclaimed by people that That's had no exactly right to, to carry it on. And so it did come from a very different place to fucking Jim Davidson doing Chalky or whatever. But it wasn't a good place in itself. Yeah, yeah, it needed it needed to go, and I guess it has just. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's the it's the problem with a poo. Um, no one batted their eyelids at all at a poo from yeah. The Simpsons until very recently. Yeah, in uh, Harry Kondabolu, the uh, comedian from well, I know him from The Daily Show and The Bugle did a film called The Problem with the Poo, and it's only when someone you know of Indian descent, uh, American of Indian descent points out, um, should this be Hank Azaria doing a comedy yeah. Indian voice? Is that is that okay? Yeah. Because there's loads there's loads of comedy um <laughs> especially you you find this a lot with like YouTube comedians and like it's American comedian American Asian comedians and they will have a comedy character which is their their uncle that hasn't got very good English, basically. And mm. so their comedy character is what I would of kind of thought be a racial stereotype or you have like who's the who's the food critic guy that does youtube videos in the character of an old malaysian man oh greg wallace <laughs> yes fucking gordon ramsay had it on his had him on his new show recently anyway yeah you get a lot of that now and that's that's obviously you know that's kind of where you should be with that you know but which yeah. you know goodness gracious me i had yeah. British Asians doing comedy Asian stereotypes, but it's a completely different playing field to, you know, it's someone sending up their own culture. Well, they, they properly flipped it as well, like the, the very yeah. famous Indians going out for an English sketch. Yeah. Uh, but then, of course, you get, you, you know, it, it, it gets muddled because, goodness gracious me, it was massive when we were at school. And what mm. do you do with massive sketch shows? Yeah, uh, you go into school and you do impersonations of them, and then so you know, does that land? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that is that is tricky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, because I do a really good Corbin Dejir impression, but I'm not. I don't want to do it now <laughs> while I'm being recorded. Oh, fruity! <laughs> Synthesize the Patel is a popular. Um, yeah. Character Absolutely. in our yeah. group, I'm not afraid to say. <laughs> um, but I think they're, they're comedy Taiwan characters Tony. are supposed to be. Yeah, you know, beloved. <laughs> Unfortunately, it did occur to me at one point uh, watching the documentary um, during this discussion. Craig talks about the fact that you've got two black characters out of four and the fact that it's never referred to, it's never mentioned, the colour of their skin or their race is never a plot point at all on Red Dwarf kind of creates the subconscious impression that Red Dwarf is set at a time where racism doesn't exist anymore, like it's not an issue, it's not a factor in society, it's not a problem anymore which makes fucking fathers and sons even more annoying and I think in my head at the time when fathers and sons came out I had this quote from Craig sort of ringing in my ears about the, the utopia that Red Dwarf portrays, even if it's not intentional even if it was never the plan to make it that way, it it just happens to be mm-hmm. that they cast two black actors and and didn't let that change the the dynamics in any way. Is that, but, it's like yeah, this big don't mixed... then make don't then make racism a big discussion point yeah. for 
the payoff of a fucking racist portrayal of a vending machine. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna finally tackle race in Red Dwarf, having ignored it for the first eight series, yeah. then at least make it bloody worthwhile. Make it make up an actual yeah. point about it. Make a point. Yeah. Yeah. There's like this big list of things that that you just know just aren't dwarfy, right? Like it's kind of received yeah. wisdom it built up over the years with fans. But like things like when when you first hear the cat swear, I think like in six, and he swears more in seven. That's undwarfy to me. That like rankles. And even more so with the Taiwan Tony, because not only is it really badly executed and played by the wrong person of the wrong ethnicity, mm. it just isn't a mine that Red Dwarf has ever been down. And, and so it doesn't feel worthwhile. It doesn't feel like it's building on the show at all. It's completely extraneous. And uh, yeah, yeah. anyway, welcome. You to didn't our... have the right ethnicity. What ethnicity did you have? <laughs> Your ethnicity, the Canadian. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear me um, just going down my notes Clayton Mark is still in prison okay Tick. <laughs> there was one other bit that was really memorable to me was um, Craig talking about his relationship with Chris um, nice. and how it was tricky for vast swathes <laughs> when you look back on it in the you know the the 35 year history of Red Dwarf is a drop in the ocean yeah. but at the time he says that it's sort of around that series 2, 3, 4, 5 era. <laughs> <laughs> the vast majority of the time it was around the <laughs> 90s <laughs> the 80s and 90s yeah but he seems quite emotional talking about it like he's, he's really thoughtful and really pondering but there seems to be a little almost a quiver yeah, in his right. voice when he's, he's talking about yeah and you get the impression that he he kept on repeating but it was good for the show it, you yeah, know it was the best it, thing for the show there's definitely conflict going on yeah it yeah. seems to mass some internal conflict about you know about the, those demons I think it probably shows that they're very good friends now like yeah. they must be very close now yeah. You, yeah how can you not be I guess well if one of the friends start, <laughs> turns into a conspiracy nut starts going on about the great reset it's fine. Like he stopped posting about that on his website now, and in my mind, like Craig's gone and had a little word with him. <laughs> Supposed to be space heroes. Yeah, he can't. <laughs> um, oh, uh, speaking of that moment, <laughs> when Chris is talking about the 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 wind machine. Um, for the for the he knows the exact uh, make of the wind machine, which is a Volkswagen. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> His big Volkswagen. Every thing. every time yeah. they mention the wind machine, they always mention a Volk. I think even Robert mentions a Volkswagen wind machine in the later. Episode. I think in th- I've always known. Maroon. I've always thought that the marooned one was literally made from a Volkswagen engine, but it might be one of those that has become over the, apocryphal over the years that it was a Volkswagen yeah. engine. I think. Yeah, I just think that it's just one of those things that's. It's just that's. I mean, like it's an engine. <laughs> it's yeah. got to come from somewhere. It's like you know, airplane engines are made by Rolls Royce, and it's like that's the you know that's just that's just what they're built for. They're built for. Mm, yeah. Know. Well, I I just assumed it was a Volkswagen manufactured wind machine, just like they made wind machines as well. Rather than yeah. what I was picturing was the engine out of a, a, a Volkswagen Polo or whatever, had <laughs> been cannibalized and put on a wind machine. That's exactly what I think it is. Yeah. 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 Well, to be fair, you'd have like. Beetle engines, like they're they're bulletproof. They would they will keep running for long after other engines don't. So yeah, you probably have them jerry rigged all sorts of things. Oh, someone's gonna bring up. Oh yeah, basically yeah, they were trying to waterboard Chris. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> he, just... thought, he thought that there was a danger of drowning. I can, I can understand what he means when like you're literally getting water. Yeah, well, into if you. that part of his brain's triggered, that is literally water. Yeah, yeah. That's what it's there for to trigger yeah. that part of your brain. He, yeah, if it's going down the back of his throat when he's got his yeah. mouth open, filling his mouth, he's going to feel that. Right? Yeah, it sounds, it sounds awful. You can start to piece these things <clears> together, can't you? These little things that have pissed Chris off, like rehearsing on set, almost being drowned. You know, but <laughs> Such a it all builds up to him leaving. Exactly. cold. <laughs> Losing his wig. Excuse me, how can I feel cold? It's a hologram. <laughs> <laughs> um, Did Holly survive this computer last year? <laughs> <laughs> Who is I... that kid? Who is he now? Yeah, we need to find <laughs> him, get him on for an interview. He'll be in his 40s, but yeah, he'll be about, yeah, about our age. The last bit of the documentary made me laugh because it was such a classic get it off your chest, Doug, moment. Yeah. <laughs> Unconnected to anything that had been yes. said before or since. I was like, oh, well, we're here. Well, wait, I've, got a wi- I've got a fucking 10-year whinge about the fucking budget to get off my chest. He's got a fucking point, though. Yeah, it's an extraordinary story. Yeah. For anyone who hasn't watched it, they came in under budget by a significant amount of money by the end of the series. Despite the fact that halfway through the series they'd been told the budget's running out, you've got to scrimp, you can't build any more new sets, and that's why Justice looks like it does. But then by the end, they had they had an underspend that they were trying to get rid of. So, yeah. <laughs> have a taxi. Have four taxis. Because it's, like, um, it's like council budgets. If you don't spend them, you don't get it next year. You don't year. get it next yep. year, yeah. I think we've talked about that on the previous Dwarfcast as well. Examples from my career of that happening. I don't know. Do you know what? I'd swap it's a pretty effective set in Justice. I think that's worth a load of free curries. <laughs> I think it is. It's weird, that one, because... Morale. I, don't, I, I certainly don't think it takes away from the yeah. the comedy. I think I genuinely... I mean, obviously, we haven't seen a remount where it would be done. You know, I, if we ever saw a stage show, then we would mm. see what they intended. Like, that would be mm. the only reason we'd ever see that. But I think two of the people... In the whole of Red Dwarf, including fandom, that least appreciate the power of restrictions, I guess. What what am I trying to say? The the power the power of 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 like yeah of like artificial restrictions, like not having enough money. And Rob and Doug, like they're the ones that are always like, oh, we could have made this so much better, bigger, blah blah blah. Whereas everyone else is like going, well, you know what? That what was done there with those constraints. Yes constraints is the mm. word it's possibly better than what would have happened if you had you know a bit more money to build a bit more of set because yeah because you create a feeling you create an atmosphere because you think more about how do we create this atmosphere rather than just yeah yeah but they will always win we needed more money because of course they will because they the, will produce yeah you know? the massive control freaks <laughs> but like, the, the fact that like like they always they, they, the best decisions are always made out of necessity yeah. Like they're always the ones because if you've got all this freedom in the world and you've got the choice of everything, you're just gonna be you, you're just gonna get you're just gonna get paralyzed by it. Yeah. So having the restrictions and having the the you know the constraints you've got is is what makes that. Or you might work. you might spaff the whole budget in the first three episodes um, on a dinosaur. Well, yeah, I mean we we could talk all day about decisions made with with, with, with well yeah or like what they appear to be anyway because well it was the fact that like well we built the dinosaur now we have to make the dinosaur we now have to we have to we now have to make that work we now have to make we now have to do two episodes because we've spent all the money on this fucking thing (laughs) it's like this problem has been created and now we have to fix the problem by making it worse draw the rest of the fucking owl (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
But, you know, it could have turned out as bad as Dinner Ladies with that budget. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. Well, there you go. That was like, that was a, that's a good example, actually, of spending a big budget on something that is like using that to do two filming runs is yeah. a very good idea because that's going to have tangible benefits rather than like, oh, let's make the canteen is like twice as big and there's like rotating hog roasts in every corner. Yeah, you know what I mean? Sushi, there's a sushi bar and it's constantly yeah. rotating the entire way. That's funny. It's big enough to uh, transport Judy Walters around. <laughs> She's on me every five minutes. She comes like, around for a punchline. Like Del Boy on a meat hook. <laughs> Anything else of the documentary? Oh, I did have a note about like the, the war thing. We haven't really talked about the war. Oh yeah, rescheduling during the war. During the war, because I, I noted that Chris did actually make a point that like uh, he kind of understood the fact that they moved because you have Danny and I think Craig whinging about it. It's like, yeah. come on, when are you going to do this? Just put it on during the war. It doesn't matter. And Chris was saying that not only did he agree with moving it, but he could understand if they just removed the whole show. And mm. uh, I thought that was just a little bit woke of him, to be honest. <laughs> um, insane wokery. Yeah, yeah, some insane wokery there. But like, I think there was a mention of anti PC, was a PC yeah. gone mad from Danny, which was like, yeah, there's another twenty another years for ago. The PC. Yeah, he's just again though. You're right. It's like when Danny mentions something like PC, you haven't, you don't really know like where he's. Yeah, he's coming yeah. from different places to to other people. He's a very unique man. But um, but I mean, like in hindsight, still like. Like it's an annoying thing that had to happen, but you can't imagine the BBC having any other choice because they do yeah, put one yeah. foot wrong, and they get like we've seen it very recently, <laughs> put one foot even perceptibly wrong, and it's like all the attack yeah. dogs are there. And like the BBC is not perfect by a long stretch, but like they get hammered for everything. And so why would you do? You'd why have, would you have an have open certainly... goal like this? got more potentially got more complaints about screening it than you would about not screening it oh 100 percent. because most people wouldn't fucking know that they yeah yeah um and they got a brilliant promotional opportunity with valentine's day so what the fuck <laughs> yeah <for> complaints <laughs> weird to think that no. a war could be going on and then a couple of weeks later it's not how did we get from one case of affairs to the other case of affairs? Do you mean how did the war stop? <laughs> well, what well, I mean, it's just like, has <laughs> Gulf War Two even stopped? I don't think we could really say that. No. Like, I mean, yeah. maybe it stopped last year or two years ago where we left Afghanistan. Maybe and like oh, that's become what, a different war now. It's yeah, like and that's twenty years. The 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 Ukraine war isn't stopping anytime soon. Like, do you remember when wars stopped, lads? <laughs> you know, <laughs> those were the good old days. During, good old the, British wars. Good old British wars, like Falklands. You know, bish bash bosh. <laughs> and that's about to kick off again. Yeah, Thatcher out. Maggie, Maggie, Maggie. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> um. All right. Deleted scenes is next on the list. We have commentated on them before. I checked. We have. Yes, we can show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Back when we when we finished a series, we'd always pick up something extra, and it was usually delete scenes, or we just talk about the series as a whole. And that's why we repeat ourselves all the time. Yep. (laughs) Now then. 
speaking of repeating <laughs> ourselves, I'm pretty sure I would have said this at the time. The Camille Kachansky is fuck all like Claire Grogan. And it's even more highlighted by Lister saying that, oh God, you look you you look just like <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, does she fuck? She she's nothing like like Claire Grogan wouldn't wear leathers. Lister's ideal mate would not just be exactly like him. Yeah, because the relationship between Lister and Kachansky has been retconned, it kind of feels like everything about Kachansky has been retconned. So like Blank slate. she at, yeah, at this stage during series four, during the four, <laughs> she's not supposed you're not supposed to necessarily have how she looked in series one and two in mind. Yeah. It's That's like, true. yeah, if they were redoing the character of Kachansky then, it may well look like the Kachansky Camille. Yeah, I guess it's even more ridiculous now that we have the, the Chloe Camille, uh, uh, Kachansky as well to like say, yeah. well, she's not like her either. <laughs> <laughs> it's even less like her. <laughs> yeah. But then, to be fair, Chloe and Claire are not like each other anyway, as we know. But I'd love to see the Tracy Brabin version. Yeah. Yeah, they, they talk about they talk about in the documentary of like oh Tracy Roman she's gone on to be really successful she's been gone on to be in loads of things so yeah she's now Danny's mare. <laughs> <laughs> she's the reason it cost me only two quid to get from Leeds to Scarborough. So oh, thanks, <laughs> thanks Tracy Brevin. But you were shit as more money for the two P machines. You're not wrong. <laughs> Craig shit talks his ex's acting ability. Like, <laughs> yeah. come on, man. It's like, just, she forgot to learn my line. So she was saying, so that was a bit of a... The classic amateur mistake or something yeah, like that. Yeah, have you got some unresolved issues still here? <laughs> it must be odd. I was thinking this when I was listening to the commentaries. Like, for for Robert, it's a lovely thing mm. to have a snapshot of his relationship with Judy as it was in '91 and like the shared experience because yeah. they're still together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To to have that to be able to to have to relive seeing that with your ex that could potentially, like, I assume that it can't have ended that badly if Craig is happy to to sit there yeah. and watch it. And oh, so enough time has it, passed, but, he, but like, yeah. It could have gone very wrong. I mean, who knows? It's a risk like... involving a, a current partner in, in a project. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think maybe because at this point, Craig is, is in a very good, stable situation, isn't he? Like, even then he was. Like his, his current I don't wife. know if he was in 2004. Well, <laughs> family-wise, he had his, yeah, his, yeah. his wife standing <laughs> yeah. by him and... Um, and he seems very settled. So maybe you, at that point, you don't really care about your exes, do you? Because you've 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 yeah. made it. You've done. Yeah, you found the one. Uh, one of my favourite slash least favourite deleted scenes in that I love watching it because it's interesting, but I'm really glad it wasn't in the episode because it's rubbish. It was the exterior shoot for Justice yeah. in the park, yeah. where yeah. the camera work oh, is the camera work is bizarrely bad. Um, <laughs> And Robert and Chris for their conversation. No steady cam, just you know. You, just, yeah, yeah, you've got a wide shot. Like clearly a heavy OB video camera being, being handheld. Outside. Yeah, because uh, at the time, uh, ex, um, like externals would still have been film, right? No, VT for OB <laughs> was common uh, by this point. Yeah, um, but not handheld <laughs> i think i think so, the equipment was big and big and heavy yeah, yeah um and so therefore when you're asking someone to a camera up to carry a, a an ob video camera at that point whilst walking backwards over unsteady terrain you're going to get camera work like you got there yeah, i guess rocket was up for it 
I genuinely thought that it was like, oh, maybe we'd do just like a bit of an afterthought. They just thought, oh, maybe we shoot this scene out here. And then it's like, mm. but that would be true if they hadn't had the fucking bizarre litter bird thing. Yeah. Shitting <laughs> on, 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 on Craig. And I was just like, massive, oh, massive shit. Horrible. Huge. I'd misremembered it. Yeah, I totally did. <laughs> I remembered it as being like a normal bird shit dropped on him, but it was like. <laughs> Four tins of corned beef. Oh, <laughs> what, I, what I was expecting when he threw the thing away would it would fly back at him, but that's I completely yeah. forgot about the litter birds shitting on him, like just because he because he threw something away. I was like, how does that? And that, it's always karma. it's that's always not... rendered weirder by the the weird pace you get with deleted scenes because they've not been tightened up. They've not yeah, got yeah. the sound effects and stuff, so it always feels yeah. a bit weird. But even like dodgy camera work and like the fact that it isn't really that funny even with all those things considered the problem isn't really that it looks like a london park the problem is is that it looks like the same london park as meltdown and you can't get away with that twice in one series so you had to pick which episode had that and meltdown (laughs) is the one that needs you need to play its london park card and (laughs) everything else (laughs) needs to stay with me but jesus christ is that possibly the worst location ever like if we're, I mean, if we're talking yeah. about bad locations like even the stuff outside the back of shepparton for 10 is much better it's rare to go to the trouble of a location shoot and then decide yeah it, we're better off without it yeah yeah it's the effort that you have to put in to get off your ass and do a location shoot and the money you spend on it yeah. it's hard to get rid of and they still have to hurt your grand left. Just yeah <laughs> could, have, could have bought the park <laughs> yeah and then yeah Sold it to they a real estate agent. Yeah. yeah, they could have. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was another thing that we learnt during the commentaries, or possibly the documentary, that at various points, Robert and Craig both had flats in Shepparton. Yeah. Because the commute was so bad. <laughs> they just had a flat that they'd live in for a week at a time, go home at the weekend. I think they rented, or do you think back then you could just buy one for 50p? <laughs> you could probably buy one and it would now make you a millionaire if they yeah, were already. Yeah. yeah. Mind you, it's Shepparton, it's not. London. Well, I don't know. Uh, my partner's stepdad, he um, he used to have a house in Teddington, like right next to Teddington Studios. And he was saying about the, the sort of the prices that the, some of those houses are going for now is just obscene. It's in the millions, some of them. And these are just bog standard houses. <laughs> it's like. Uh, two bedroom double apartment in Shepparton, half a million pounds on the right move. Two bedrooms. I just want to mention the Whitehall deleted scenes. Yeah. So obviously they were they were really just trying things out with uh, with Whitehall and there's that really weird like obviously like it's weird actually because you can kind of see the the seeds of other episodes like Skipper with the repeating of you know something mm, happening yeah. like that kind of a thing. The jump cuts. Yeah, and then there was that weird one with the like kind of. The, I know they're going for like a Beatles video. Wasn't yeah, it? I was thinking of don't do do something like that on our camcorder as well. Like they do like some sort of special thing where you can do like you shoot like a bit of footage and then stop the camera tape and then do uh, it again. Yeah. And I was like, Robert gets idea for program. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that like just yeah, you can see why they didn't use it. It's just it looks GNT shit. gets idea for commentary. <laughs> <laughs> The other white hole one, the end of the what is it scene, uh, yeah. uh, there's an extra bit of business of um, Craig going, let's go then, or yeah. let's do it, yeah. or one of those. And But I was very, very impressed by Craig's like athleticism. Yeah. Of leaping, like it's one thing to leap off, but then to leap back up backwards. Yeah. 
and stop in the right place and it looked that smooth. Right? The strength in his his quads <laughs> must have been. Yeah, yeah. And it, and he did it. He did it in a way that looked like it. Well, kind of looked like it was going in reverse. Yeah. Yeah. My uh, my my mum did it really uh, well. Chihuahua Freddy. That's how he jumps on the sofa. He, he, he does he does a three sixty spin to get some momentum and jumps backwards onto the sofa like that. It's the only way you can do it. Have you tried filming it and reversing it and see what it looks like? <laughs> it's just just a dog jumping off a sofa. <laughs> but yeah, it reminds me of See You in Ten Minutes, and it just kind of it kind of grated on me a little bit. Mm. So well, I, I mean, yeah. it's it's the raw it was... shot, isn't it? So like that would have been cut around. That would have been yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. What they were doing there was performing the looping for the audience, but I think what we end up getting is either Danny is really good at saying the exact same thing in exactly the same way, or we do get it reused in the final mm. edit. I'm not sure, but um, all all I think about is that that would have been something that was shot with Paul because I'm I'm keep trying to think like which scenes were Paul Jackson scenes, and I'm mm. trying try to like see the fear in their eyes, and that would it have was, been a Paul it, Jackson. It, it, all of the all of the actual audience you know, what is it scene yeah. that is that is the yeah everything that was audience screening that was all Paul because that was done on the day there was no pre-record yeah. with Paul it was all because the audience was there and that's why I was pissed off that people were late yeah mm. yeah of course yeah. what is it dead cow in the road <laughs> that's what I'm saying <laughs> I can hundred percent believe that anecdote. Like that, yeah, because that's a, that's a when shit. When Danny says that, it, I'm like, that is exactly the kind of shit. Like, that is exactly how I'd imagine him being. But everything that, else about him, yeah. you know, making people pull nails out with their teeth. And like, eh, <laughs> a couple of union rules getting broken there, but yeah. I can believe the bits of that they said. Jesus, we are jumping back here, but like when they said like they saw people that they'd never seen on set all all series. I can believe that. You can imagine yeah, yeah. a few people that are just like. Stealing a living, <laughs> probably as well. Like either, probably actually, like wanting to actually impress Paul. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, he's what is he head of Carlton? Not yet, nearly, Not yet. nearly Carlton. Yeah, it would have been yeah. a bit weird, actually, wouldn't it, if he was directing a BBC sitcom yeah. and he was a conflict but, of interest. I don't think he'd yeah. be able to do it. Well, what, what was he doing then? He's been high up at BBC, I guess. No, I don't think he was ever that uh, in-house at BBC at that stage. Right. He was just a high-profile comedy producer. I don't yeah. think he had a. I don't think he had many projects between finishing Red Dwarf and starting at Carlton. Oh, I'll tell you what he was doing. I'll tell you what he was oh, doing. Oh, I've just remembered. Time. I've just... <laughs> Hi, old honey, I'm home. Fucking hell! Oh my days! So I think he was at Sky for a little bit Jesus. before he went to Carlton. Uh, I'm not sure. Think he was just next door. <laughs> In TV one. Uh, so, yeah. Oh my god! I've never seen it. I've only heard about it. <laughs> no, that was at Pinewood. <laughs> oh, fucking hell! Right, okay. But it was it was no gay. <laughs> yeah, September 1990. Wow. Anyway, you literally couldn't do that show these days. Yeah, also, you couldn't do it then. <laughs> yeah, t- turns out <laughs> Sky would just. This like, is a really bad idea. I mean, this is just early Sky, isn't it? It's... One last thing. Well, one last thing from me on deleted scenes. Meltdown. There's a deleted scene from Meltdown of more with the dinosaurs, more bits of uh, Crichton and Rimmer reacting. Um, there is a clip of there from the Japanese film yeah. uh, that wasn't in the episode. Yeah. 
So I'm just wondering whether they bothered to clear that properly for the DVD or whether they just put it on and hope for the best. Or maybe they bought. I don't know. It depends on the clearance rates. They, they, yeah. They... If they got access to that entire show outright, which is probably yeah. Hopefully, not... yeah, yeah. Presume they might have the rights to the whole thing, and it's just is that it... they happen to only use like those bits in the episode. Is it possible that even at the time of broadcast, it was part of some sort of like? Because I know the BBC have a blanket music clearance thing. Do you think maybe it was part of it? Oh, you can use this stuff for B-roll mm. or something, and it's going to be free. The PRS stuff is totally separate from from video stuff. There is a whole article on Toss. Hopefully, uh, it's still there about uh, stock footage in Red Dwarf. So link in the show notes. Yeah, and I, I mentioned the the name of the film, which I can't remember now. Yeah. yeah. In which case, let's have a fucking commentary. It's been a while. Because the next one listed is Smegups. So line up your DVD, hover over whatever the Smegups thing is. Oh, should we talk about the menu? Yeah. <laughs> Out the box, this one comes with uh, an animated and text option. So but, I don't think I've ever used the animated version. <laughs> but the most annoying fucking thing about the DVD is you'd think if it was going to go to plain text, you would think it would just show you plain text. It then takes you via an animation to the thing and then shows you a still and menu and I cannot tell you how fucking annoying that was <laughs> if it's animated it's animated if it's not it's fucking not don't bother sending me over that room just to show me a blank piece of paper mate what the fuck are you doing can anyone remember whether the full menu was broken again for, for I far? think they were just hedging their bets I seem to remember it was something specific about the Series 3 animated menu. The way that the Easter egg worked uh, yeah, right, right. is what caused the problem. Um, that could be bollocks, I think, because it's being remembered from 20 years ago. I think you, um, I, I know we mentioned last time it was something to do with the way the text was being rendered on the, the signs, given the fact uh, that something yeah, moved, yeah. something didn't, and it was a, a branching problem. But yeah, I just... yeah. I, no, no, it was a DVD hardware problem. It was old DVD players, Danny. <laughs> yeah, wasn't oh, an yeah, issue. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. yeah, a small number of people. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, select whatever. Well, select Smegups from the plain text menu, unless you're a maniac. <laughs> and appreciate the fact that they changed the lighting for the drive room from three to four to match the new yes. studio on the DVD. <laughs> Something oh, I didn't good. know or didn't really realise until somebody pointed it out on the GNT comments thread, and I can't remember who. So apologies. Well done, you. <laughs> and then press play at the end of these pips. It's odd. It's always odd this because I very rarely, if ever, watch this. Have watched the Smegups in this format, like <laughs> because I'd, I'd get out the just the Smegs if I wanted to watch. Yeah, not series <laughs> specific. Yeah. But I did notice a few things when I was watching it yesterday. As one of my favourites is the the camera crew following the monster. This this when Cat is is getting this wrong, this frustrates me because I can imagine how annoying that was. Like Danny, you can tell Danny's getting really frustrated. He's not enjoying the fact that he's fucking up. He he does the thing where when you're doing something difficult in a computer game, your first attempt, you, you get really close to doing it. And then after that, all your attempts yeah, yeah. are shit, and then you don't get past the first five minutes. Yeah. Notice that when he swears, his face is pixelated. 
Yeah. Which is not something that was done on the Smeg Ups and Outs tapes. And I don't think it's happened prior to that on the prior to this one on the DVD. I just love the fact that the the, the death can't be offended either. Like Yeah. <laughs> and for that very last one there, of that the very last take of that bit, there's no beep on the DVD on the Smeg Ups tape. Uh when he goes Fah! Yeah, there's been some And yeah. doesn't quite say fuck but nearly says fuck, but yeah. they beep it out here to be on the safe side. Gotta keep because that, of course uh, yeah, well, it's a twelve. The ups and outs are both fifteens, and so maybe they were just playing it really safe mm-hmm. before they sent it to the BBFC. I like the smeg outs that uh, that are put into the context of the episode. So, like putting the radio effect on and stuff for for crying yeah. and remember that. Do you think that would have been done diegetically? Possibly. Hmm. Well, yeah, um, Ian mentions Doctor Who Klaxon. The um, <laughs> Dalek voices and stuff are done on set. Uh, mm. They're not done in post. They're done through a ring modulator. So maybe it was recorded that way. I mean, right. that's interesting. Yeah. Oh, this I, I, I love give this, the audience yeah. a lot of props for that because I don't think it's something. Yeah, that yeah, they make the, the joke. Hand. Yeah, they do make the joke. Yeah. Like, they twig before everyone that. else does. <laughs> Stone. And of course, if you want to see the original extended uncensored version of this, uh, link in the show notes, is <laughs> from the rough cut uh, yeah. of the Smegups tape. Oh, I thought you meant your We're going to sort that out in the dub, and they went and fucked us. <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting about this one is that that's Mike Tucker, obviously, yeah. in the blob. But it's the sound of Judy, Judy Pascoe you laughing. Can Judy. Yeah, she can hear <laughs> yeah. her. She's obviously in the studio doing... Like, doing the voice live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which makes sense. Yeah. Which the fact that Mike's playing along as well. Like, Mike's like playing for laughs as well. <laughs> like, he yeah. does quite a good job. He drops <laughs> the, he drops the eye stalk in despair. <laughs> oh. <laughs> looks at it and then... <laughs> Shakes his eye. I don't know why this line wasn't kept in. To be fair, it's quite funny. Because yeah. Hattie has like, like Hattie's trying so hard to just get shit into this show. <laughs> oh, you mean the deleted scene? Yeah, there's a bit which was cut doing a Chinese yeah. accent. Mm-hmm. Might be the uh, Danny, I should later. say. <laughs> Series four seems to be well represented in. Clips of Chris pissing about doing voices. Yes. Yeah. Obviously, this isn't one. This is an outtake, but it always reminds. This setup reminds me of all the Kenneth Williams and all the <laughs> Lester Piggott stuff, which we've got coming up. In oh, yeah, I forgot <laughs> about the Lester Piggott one. Chris is always excellent value when he fucks up. He's in a good mood because he was getting some action. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only line he's got in the entire fucking scene. The <laughs> <laughs> dead cow in the road. <laughs> and again. <laughs> oh, that was the, this must have wound. This must have wound up. Paul, something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like Italian rugby thing nervous. while he was gone. <laughs> yeah, it, Paul wasn't there for rehearsal, so it was Ed's sloppy methods.
Now the person laughing here, do you think that is the original? Do you know what? That occurred to me when I was watching it. That, that like we wouldn't know. That yeah, could have been yeah. See she's not on screen. Strange. They wouldn't use any footage of her on screen. <laughs> her reaction to realising she's just sworn in front of a child yeah. is very good. <laughs> Right, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> That's all he has to say. Just oh yes now, and it's just this, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he does do the um, impressionist thing of mentioning the name of the person yeah. in the setup, just in case. <laughs> but he doesn't incorporate it as the part of the impression itself, which is the thing I, yeah. I hate. It's like, hello, I'm Tony Blair, or something, you know, along those lines. <laughs> the thing that Bonnie Ancona has to do, because none of her impressions sound anything like the person she's doing the impression <laughs> of. <laughs> now, here's a smeg up of a... A model shot. Model shot. A model shot. I did idly wonder. Do you think... Because I, I thought, like, why would they have footage of, of the like why would they mess up but then i thought oh yeah it's on wires so obviously yeah but like i did wonder yeah, if yeah. some of those mess ups might have been like deliberate for the real you know send them mm. in for the outtakes or something. I, I, christmas tape yeah, yeah something they do oh we've got one more take let's just do a fun one like let's just have a yeah. fucking play about just because we've got time like there's you know basically a, there's a house there's a house right there next to that pedophile <laughs> He's not beautiful, he's just a rapist. Come on. Uh, she was 15. <laughs> she was oh. only 15 years old. <laughs> she was 15 and illegal. <laughs> there was um, crew members in the back of that. Yeah, there was. Truck. And then when, <laughs> I think when the camera moved over there, you could see you could see another one as well. Yeah. And houses there next to yeah. the electric car enthusiast. <laughs> well, it's Waxwell, so it could easily just be the HQ. Yeah, yeah. I suppose. I, I think it is supposed to be like the, the one that you see more clearly is supposed to be the HQ. That one is just right. in the back. This, this this bloody one. Yeah. It, it, I was last night years old when I figured out that this isn't meltdown. This is fucking justice. This is from justice. This is the bit with the yeah. the, the, the litter birds. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But well, also because he's got the log again. If you think about it. There's too much bird noise, isn't there? Like, <laughs> yeah. this is put on. Surely some of this is put on. Yeah, well, there's definitely some added sound. There's a fucking, yeah. Yeah, there's like... Danny says, Danny says this is the sound you want. You get this as wild track. Yeah. So it must be... The thing uh, is, this, is, the the thing is, this is exactly what... It's a comedy wild track, Dan. <laughs> it's just like, you can cut round this stuff. Like, why are you, why yeah. are you in a field getting annoyed at... Wildlife, <laughs> yeah, and then shoot, shoot that dog, please. It's like, like he's really pissed off. Yeah, he's really not happy, is he? And then he like, it doesn't he, show he does him. laugh when the fucking plane turns up on top of him. You do get those massive bursts of bird noise in London parks. Yeah, um, yeah. there's a whole thing about parakeets in London, um, in Ealing, in West London, you know, across West London in particular. That were they were originally bought over for a film in the fifties or something at Ealing Studios, a load of parakeets. <laughs> and they and at the end of the production they yeah, they either escaped or were just let loose and now you get clusters of parakeets in West London. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, keep keep, turn up keep the window. foxes fed at least. <laughs> yeah, this is good. 
I don't think I would have had any idea who Lester Piggott was before I saw this for yeah, the first same. time. <laughs> or I, knew his... Lester, well, I knew who Lester Piggott was Tax and I didn't know what he sounded like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, good heaven. Oh, this this booming. That that line booming my eye is <laughs> Something me and my brother just endlessly <laughs> quoted to each other. <laughs> oh, it's a boom in my eye. Is it eye or ass? Eye. Boom in my eye. I thought it was boom in my ass. Well, that's very eye. different. I'm seeing you'll see It's a strange knob like thing up there. Craig idly chewing the end of a banana <laughs> between takes. <laughs> Banana's live, so it's best not to suck it. (laughs) (laughs) And another outtake of a line that was ultimately deleted. Yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah, in the deleted scenes, which confused me as a kid. It confused me as a kid that. That I thought that was like Chris just improvising an extra bit, yeah. <laughs> because it's like, well, what's he saying that for? He doesn't say that in the program. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, the series six smeg ups giving us like a glimpse at deleted scenes from Siren. Yeah, there's more. There's marooned, just pretend it's scrumpy. Yeah, and outtakes from the original assembly of. Uh, the end, like the original versions of those scenes, those outtakes from before we had any conception yeah. that the original assembly existed. The camera's doing the bin. Yeah. yeah. This is why smeg ups and smeg outs at the time were invaluable and genuinely yeah. like <laughs> gold mine. Gold mine of stuff. Yeah. Peaks the interest of the the children watching. Burdens like, the nipples. Ah, it's a TV program, and look at all these things that show that it's a TV program. Um, Ruined it for me because I thought we were all real. <laughs> yeah, none of them are real. All made up. Mm-hmm. And it, Craig Charles is, is a By character. Andrea Pennell. Yeah. So that was a commentary. It certainly was. Got another Finish one of them coming. Finished now. Yeah, but first, uh, the next feature, Ace Rimmer, A Life in Lame. I was really cruel about this in my review at the time. <laughs> <laughs> it it seemed to stoke up a level of passion in the fandom that, looking back at it now, yep. nineteen years later, I don't understand why. No, me neither. I'm I'm going to posit a possible reason um, because I think it was one of those things where it was that viewpoint at the time where this could have been something, something else, else better yeah. on the DVD. Or more mm. money, you know what I mean? I think it was one of those things that was like, why the fuck have we got a clip show on a DVD? Like, we don't need this. Rather than seeing it from a, oh, Hattie gets to do some funny lines to camera, and then we get a whole cut together of all of Ace's scenes in, in, in Red Dwarf. Rather than seeing that, we were kind of, well, I say we, I didn't actually hate it, but mm, I hadn't yeah. seen it in the longest time. But I know that I remember 
that this particular feature was particularly shit upon mm-hmm. at yeah. the time when it came out and everyone was kind of quite mean about it. But I watched it back and I was like, why was everyone so mean about it? Well, like, I, get, I, like, I think right. with the benefit of hindsight, you kind of look back and think, well, yeah, I know, know why that thing exists. It's a thing of remembering who the audience is as well. And like, we as an audience of the very hardcore are more than catered for with these DVDs. Yeah. Virtually every feature on here yeah. speaks to us. Yeah. It, it, we shouldn't begrudge there being a thing that is not necessarily of interest to us yeah. uh, as a whole, uh, you know, a compilation of ace moments, but of course that's something that's of interest to a whole raft of people mm. that would buy this DVD. Yeah. Just having all... Because, like, look at YouTube now and how much of that is, like the best ace moments there's undoubtedly videos that people have put together of the best ace rimmer moments yep. which is the top 10. probably just a, a, a less well edited version of this people would get annoyed about like top 10s thinking well what's the fucking point it's like they're just it's just retreading old stuff but it's that's not it's not for us yeah not... if you if you're it, uh, intimately familiar with every entry on that top 10 then it's not for you but if you're not then it's a nice overview yeah or like 74 things you might have missed in back to the future I think it yeah. does hook into kind of what I'm, I said before about like this DVD strangely felt. Well, I came in a bit under Series 3 when it comes to enthusiasm just because of, say, Cart Smeg weren't Smeg. And I think you're absolutely right, Danny. Is certainly my thinking at the time was this thing's here and like maybe like so fucking spoiled thinking like, you know, this mm. could have been something else. And the idea itself, I don't think I had much of a problem with. It was the fact that. It really, really, really wasn't very good. Like, it, I almost felt like Hattie was wasted. In, in fact, because Hattie had come back to to be Holly, and there is that. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, this is the other thing: is that it's it, f- it felt slapped together. It's like about ten, eleven minutes long in total. Yeah, the vast, vast majority of it is clips, and the the Holly bits are just links in between. But this is original, brand new Red Dwarf material. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for the at, at the time, the first time in five years that we'd had anything approaching new red dwarf material only five years yeah <laughs> which at the time felt like yeah. an age <laughs> and i think series seven as well was still getting a lot of stick at that time mm. so anything that reminded you that series seven existed just kind of pissed <laughs> yeah. people off as well <laughs> the end of stoke me a clipper is just a real shame because it's like everything else about it like the writing the concept is solid but the execution is awful mm. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I was rightly ticked off at the time by Andrew as well, because um, he he mentioned as well that he wrote it. I think that was his credit, but Hattie also apparently chipped in with a lot of writing on it as well. And, yeah, uh, yeah, kind of <laughs> made me feel bad. But I don't know. Everything was dialed up to eleven at the time. Everything mattered more when you were younger. Yeah. I think that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. It just felt more it felt also, more of an affront to you rather than there's a level of privilege that we yeah. privilege absolutely right. won. Yeah, one hundred percent thought we were entitled to. Don't include yourself, Danny, because you know, you were never yeah. <laughs> you were never that guy. You know, you you were never. But we were. But but yeah, two of us definitely were. But my view on it now, watching it back for the first time in donkey's years, is that the writing and the performance are not bad in and of themselves. It's just that it doesn't really feel like Holly. It feels like Hattie's playing a sort of exaggerated version of her stand-up yes. persona rather than. Wow. playing Holly and it, it's it, like it doesn't help when you watch it back to back with the series or even just clips of series four where she absolutely nails everything about Holly yeah here it's it's more caricature of herself rather than playing Holly yeah. I also think 
the effects uh, that they put on her don't help. Well, they're yeah. really inconsistent. They're... Yeah, it's... They're not bad. It's just they're always different. They're very of their time in that early phase of digital video tape being a thing and like the the suite of effects that you would have had at your disposal at that point when the technology was still relatively new yeah. it just feels very rooted to its time and it looks low quality now nearly 20 years later yeah. and it's like the bloody series one of the of actual red dwarf putting too many effects on norman's face and then realizing it's better when you can just see his face yeah. it's like they felt the need to slap an effect on to make it hollified but it's too much fucking perspective, yeah. too much of an effect. All of which got better for Beat the Geek. Mm-hmm. And this is, again, I've not seen or looked at or played Beat the Geek for an absolute long, long time. Maybe for future Dwarfcasters, something we should look into. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, I, my memory is that Holly and Hattie, and Hattie's Holly, were better in Beat the Geek yeah. than they were. Oh, the, the, the writing was, was good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we had. At the time, I don't think we had anything other than praise, really, for like the undertaking there. I think it was it was mm. good, and this is certainly a pilot for that sort of thing. Off Andrew kind of managing that sort of thing. Watching it back, like it feels so slapped together, and that's probably because it it was, and the money available and the time available was just nothing. And so, you know, you had, and that's you know perfectly understandable. I just think it just didn't do anything to endear itself to a cunt writing a review of it in his bedroom and that's on Mm. me i think (laughs) um you know there's a lot of embarrassing content i've created out there on the internet and that's just (laughs) how it is and that's just this week and uh, yeah exactly um i don't know it was um maybe you're just like yeah like i can deal with the musical featurettes and then <laughs> uh, but but remembering well, the, that there's um, different audiences is very important and it's yeah easy to forget that what it does well actually is i noticed watching it back that it shortens a lot of the sequences especially the stoke me a clipper stuff it like tightens them up a little bit yeah and chops out anything that's too extraneous that, yeah. you know, when you're not watching it in the context of an episode that you don't need there, it does that very well. Some punching. To, it, it edits bits out in a way that would be imperceptible to someone who wasn't, didn't have the entire thing memorised. But it does do something very weird, which I noticed, which was that the shot of Princess Bongella's chains being shot off is slowed down. Yeah. And I don't know why. <laughs> It's almost like it's, it, it looks almost voyeuristic. It's very weird. Uh, it's it weird because choice. my VHS of that episode, like when you got to that bit, it all went a bit like funny, as if like the tape had worn out. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe maybe there was something wrong with the original original tapes. I don't know. You know. <laughs> How are your blisters, Capsy? Any blisters, fellas? Do you know Dave Blisters? <laughs> Life in Lame, tip. Next up, it's another commentary. Who? This time, representing the featurettes. If you've got your DVD player ready, all you need is love. love. Because that's what we're going to be. <laughs> Peter um, and love. Before we start, um, anyone at home wants to play along, take a shot every time that what is actually on screen is sexual assault and not love. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, George. (laughs) And see you tomorrow. Okay. With that in mind. (laughs) It's only three minutes. Yeah. 
Tell that to Roger Bannister. Okay. Here are the pips. Ah, lovely song. It's really good. This is uh, one of Robin's favourite songs. He always asks for this on. Ah, uh, it's on. It's on my child's playlist as well. Yeah. <laughs> he just spins around on the spot the whole thing. Ah, uh, yeah. They they love being dizzy. <laughs> <laughs> Which is is something you definitely grow out of because I fucking hate that sensation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lister really has had a lot of non-consensual encounters with monsters, hasn't he? I think we might have already linked to this at some point, but there's a a YouTube series of um, sexual violence against males played for laughs, I think. that um, Mm. um, I can't remember who did it, but like might be in the show notes. If we can find it again. Yeah. Going around in circles. Uh-huh. Matches the lyrics. It's that actually... was yeah, reversed shot of Rimmer putting his uniform on in in hollow ship, so it looks like it's an instant strip. And yeah, here's some human non-consensual sex. Hooray! This is the this is the only inherent problem with this as a topic is that in Red Dwarf. A lot of, I mean, this, for example, <laughs> a lot of what you would include in a feature such as this is actually quite dodgy material <laughs> yes. from series seven and eight, <laughs> mainly series eight. And all of this, all none together. of this is consensual. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the Heimlich maneuver. Oh, <laughs> uh, look, this is when they were secretly filmed naked without any consent and all the men watched. Look brilliant. at all that love. Yeah. <laughs> so much love. I do like the grouping together of themes. So you've yeah. got like a Camille section, you've got a Lister and Kachansky section. That's good. It's just <laughs> oh, there's so much Series Eight in this. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's this. They are leaned in. <laughs> yeah, ding, 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 ding. Like that was about five shots there, everyone. Yeah. If you're keeping track. And uh, this that isn't love. That's just. A cat and a dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the cat thought he was going to find uh, love true. at the end of it. Yeah. Very true. <laughs> and that just looks like love <laughs> from a distance. Well edited, as usual. Yeah. yeah. Nice cuts to the music. A few nice bits where the lyrics correlate, but just so much Series 8. <laughs> And good ending. Yeah, I mean, you you got to that's the other way to end it. Yeah, they they <laughs> they got it dialed in at this point, right? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a good one of those. Yeah, it's a good one of those. <laughs> you can see the the foundations of the idea is starting to drop a little bit. Yeah, already maybe running out of topics a bit. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they had eight in mind at the start, and you know. Because that's the kind of thing I'd do. I'd want to plan it out and know yeah. what songs I was hoping to get. And then yeah. once you realise you can't do eight, I wouldn't do any of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't start if I could, I could. If I can't finish it, I can't start it. <laughs> or the intention at least is the idea was there, then at least I'll have the intention to finish. Whether I do or not is entirely <laughs> up to the project. I don't even remember what the next ones are. No, I can't. Remember. 
No, we've had all the ones that I can remember. Yeah, because um, yeah, we've had food. I'm actually looking forward to finding out what they are. Have we had Not food? To watch them. Yeah, we had food. That was food. James Brown. Oh yeah, yeah. That was series three. Uh, one was drunk. Two was alternate personalities, which weren't alternate personalities. That, that was the worst one. So I think like, that's the loosest one, anyway. The one that didn't really. The, the, if, you, if you're counting love as any sort of sexual activity, then yeah, that that was a strong theme. <laughs> like they kept to it. Um, However, if you want a better um, video that has that song on it then I would recommend linking the show notes the Top of the Pops performance of that song with the Wonder Stuff, Vic and Bob. Um, because the story is that the lead singer of the Wonder Stuff, whose name I can't remember, told Vic and Bob like as a, a top tip for how to deal with the nerves of performing on Top of the Pops uh, and to make your performance extra special, do a shot of tequila like just before action is called. And then it's kind of like it's coursing through your system through the three-minute performance. But then they had multiple false starts and they had to <laughs> retake, <laughs> like, restart several times. Oh, I wasn't even live so, then. <laughs> no. <laughs> so Bob was hammered. <laughs> and there was also a thing about... Because they had a load of washing machines as part of the set. Uh, um, because there was loads spinning. of washing... Because Dizzy spinning... spinning. Uh, and in rehearsal, there was a camera in one of the washing machines where Vic would go up and open the door and poke his head in and there'd yeah. be a shot of him there. They moved that camera for the actual performance and no one told him, so he's preoccupied the entire performance with trying to find which fucking washing machine has got the camera in <laughs> so he can put his head in it. It's one of the all-time great Top of the Pops performances, <laughs> made is... all the better by the fact that it's Vic and Bob. That's fantastic. The fact that the, so, the yeah. backstory makes that better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, great song, adequate feature. Let's move on. <laughs> Next is Can't Smeg Won't Smeg. Link in the show notes to Can't Smeg Won't Smeg commentary. We we all know about Can't Smeg Won't Smeg. Don't need to talk about it. Good that it's here. Trailers once again taken off off airs, but really interesting. These trailers, both of them interesting in their own ways. Now I remember the second one. I can't remember what the first one was like. You'll have to remind. The first one Valentine's was Valentine's themed. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Mm. Um. And it used Love's in the Year, which they would have had to clear for the DVD in yes. the same way that they would have cleared the Wonder oh, Stuff. Oh, did they? <laughs> or did they? <laughs> Much like, yeah. Those are the two interesting rights-related things yes. I wanted to mention. They've come up now. Because <laughs> it seems like it would be difficult, doesn't it? If you yeah. engaged in that process. I don't know. I know it would be a good one. Maybe we'll snitch tag him in this. Um, Pip Maidley, Red Dwarf fan, but... All, but mainly a Doctor Who content creator. He's digitised a load of his old VHSs and got like off-air trailers for things, but he's gone and done remastered versions of the BBC trailers for shows where he's gone and you know used higher-quality footage from the DVDs of those scenes. It'll oh, be a really interesting. interesting one for him to do, yeah. I'll link to his YouTube in the show notes. He's got loads of off-air trailers where he's kept the original voiceover and kept, and, but recreated the graphics and put them over high quality versions of the clips so he's matched them frame for frame what a cool idea for like like a different type of archiving yeah 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 archiving the the original on well, air presentation of Doctor something Huey but... anyway isn't it that's what the dvd's yeah. been doing for years recreating yeah. credit sequences and things and the second one 
very heavily features Dimension Jump. Very Star Warsy. Yeah, and the Star Wars a Star Wars parodying Red Dwarf trailer years before the. Um, <laughs> I don't think the Series Eight trailer would have existed if it wasn't for the <laughs> Series Four trailer. Well, the thing with the Series Eight trailer is that, is that it's parodying a very specific Episode One trailer. That yeah. I don't, wouldn't expect people to necessarily continue to remember. It's not like, oh, this is quite obviously, you know, a ripoff. But of it, it was it was never designed. It was never yeah. designed to be consumed later. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. It was it was a it was ephemeral of the moment. As Star long as people Wars got it then. The time. Yeah. Yeah. However, this particular trailer, interestingly, is not for the original run. No. Because it says Thursday is eight thirty. Oh, Thursday week. It says Thursday week, doesn't it? Yeah, it says Thursday week at 8.30. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's for Tuesday. the 19, 1992 repeat run. It's yeah. Tuesday. It's not Thursday. It's Tuesday. Oh, it's so Tuesday. Same thing. Thursday week is the, the well, Valentine's Day. Sorry. So, yeah. yeah, that's it. Sorry. The original one was Thursdays. The repeat is Tuesdays, 8.30. Yeah. Not bad. Uh, yeah, I consulted. I always want to say Connor Wickham because he's a footballer. I consulted Chris Wickham's uh, Red Dwarf broadcasts guide, and there was this was been for a repeat run, uh, which was in May and June of '92. Yeah, so not the repeat run, but and not the '94 repeat, repeat run, but yeah, an interim repeat run of Series Four ahead of Series Five, I guess. Do you think there would have been any pre-watershed edits? Um, Rimmer giving the finger, maybe. Yeah, it's interesting. In, I mean, in, there's no way no, we'll ever know unless someone happens to have, have to have recorded those repeats yeah. and and knows what they've got. But yeah, things were cut out for UK Gold's pre-broadcast. But I don't know if at the time anything in Series Four would have been considered strong enough to require cutting from a pre-watershed because both the videos were PGs, remember? Yeah. And at the time, there was a lot more leeway, I'd say, in the yeah. watershed. You'd have bastards and stuff at eight o'clock. I mean, but, when did the watershed come in? Uh, the watershed was only late eighties, wasn't it? Uh, that's quite a good question. I think it was around. Yeah, it would have been in place by ninety two for sure. Yeah, yeah. But it, I think it was. I think it was kind of in response to Channel Four coming along and putting boobs everywhere. <laughs> like not even on their channel, just on other channels, just <laughs> breaking in <laughs> content interruptions. <laughs> Also, the second one in the Star Wars thing says that they encounter aliens, and they yes. do not encounter they aliens. Encounter. They encounter genetically engineered life forms that are all human originated. Exactly. It is nice seeing these these bespoke trailers, and I mean, I'm not you know, you you obviously do get specific trailers, but it's a bit more like every TV trailer is like a film trailer now, whereas mm. here it was like just what's a you know. Almost like presentation department. Like, what's a fun way of putting? It's together? definitely yeah. It's in house for sure. Yeah. yeah. Nowadays, a trailer, even if a trailer is produced by the broadcaster, which it often is, it will be heavily in consultation with the program makers yeah. if they're not one and the same. Um, yeah. Maybe a lost art. I don't know. So yeah, trailer's done, and now it's time for the last of our little mini commentaries. Uh, for this one, do remember to uh, put the subtitles on and turn the sound down when you're watching the feature. <laughs> I'm only joking. Oh. It's the raw effects footage. <laughs> Again, something that's on every release, but let's fucking commentate on it. Fucking... Play those funky bips, Danny. <laughs> Who is a white boy? <laughs> 
lovely little clapper board. It's lovely. There's Pete Tyler, Pete Rag. All the Peters. All the Peters. Beautiful shot. I mean, this is this is the height. This is like there's a lot of Starbuck flybys done for this series. Yeah, yeah. that later classics. get reused this in series five and six. I always think of Hollow Ship uh, on oh, this shot. Yes. I think of yeah. Legion as well with this one as well. Legion, yeah. Yeah. It's a very and this one also hollow ship because yes. this is where the yes. light thing for all the all the clusterbusters. Uh, <laughs> yeah, hexagons go to the window. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that! Look at these. The bigotcher. Oh, I love it! I love it so much. <laughs> kind of is a bigotcher. I mean, it's it does annoy me that right. they don't. They, they do literally just right. do a bit of the shot work, and it's like they'll cut before it. Gets to be a problem. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. It's I love the little the little doorways. Wonderful detail there. Yes, right. it is. With all the light shining yeah. through. Yeah, it does have the sense of scale, doesn't it? That that yeah. was a perfect shot. Yeah, I always thought there was a tracking shot ones. as well. I always thought there was a tracking shot of this, but clearly not. Oh, maybe they. Oh yeah. I think that might have been the difference. Oh, it's because the, the title's scrolling past it, so yeah, maybe it gave you the, the yeah. sensation of movement. I'm going to have to check it now because I'm not sure if it was. But And I don't Work. remember it being... Yeah, the, <laughs> I don't remember this version being this janky, but... <laughs> yeah, but it's wind. It's windy, so it's like... Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, but yeah. And also, You've there's, got, there's, just there's off, titles Just off stuff. screen, there's, there's the guy from Big Jet TV like filming it going, Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> there's a bit of side wind. Oh, <laughs> And uh, Peter Rag with a Volkswagen wind machine. <laughs> Smash <laughs> the fucking thing apart. Look at that. How Thunderbirds do you want? That's yeah. 100%. And that's, not, that's, that's certainly not a criticism. That is... Yeah. You know, oh, God, no. Thunderbirds. Yeah. Uh, immediately my brain was like, oh, this looks like Thunderbirds, and it's like, with good fucking reason. <laughs> yeah. It's just gorgeous. I love the little... Uh, Prop, uh, keeping it up. Yes, and then when it lifts up, it clatters down. Which is what reminds me of. That's what always reminds me of um, Thunderbird too, because there's always this kind of mm. you know, like the stuff like there's like a. Yeah, it's such an it's such an unnecessary thing to to put into a model. It's a detail, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that. those um, light effects in camera effects. Yeah, and there's another bit. With it them. must be yeah. Yeah, they mix it with a with an explosion. There it is, and yeah. expo- it must be. Footage being bounced off a piece of glass is my yeah. uh, or if it's composite diagnosis. Oh yeah, no, these are brushes we're looking at here. This is purely in camera. Everything here is in camera. Okay. So those overlays of little mini explosions and the <laughs> lights and stuff. So good. <sighs> this is one of the amazing. best look, shots. Maybe it, the best shot. It just... like, look at the scale. Yeah, I'm just I'm looking at the water, and that's what makes me. Just this really... is exactly what I was talking about in the in one of the previous ones of <laughs> when I see Starbug flying. Yes. It's just Starbug flying. Yeah. It's not. It's yeah. not a model. <laughs> other ships, other model shots, I can totally see it, but these. I do, yeah. The, the scale on this is just it's, it's just awesome. It's really how hard is to do that just not a real? How is that not a sea cliff? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> other than the fact that it just it wobbles too quickly, but. That's all that gives it away, but you you don't really care about that. And it's, it's cut around, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
change the speed in post. Great, like uh, establishing shot there. It looks like as if there's like been like flour or salt being poured into the shot as well. To yeah, it's I it's think it is. I think that they, they talk about it. I can't remember this. what documentary at this point, but like the, the the fact of getting the scale of that right was a big thing, and I think it's yeah. a lot. I've got a postcard of this shot. <laughs> Was, from, it, was it nice? Uh, Peter Tyler. <laughs> ah. Did you have a good time in Justice World? <laughs> <laughs> Close up of the outdoor bit the sort of, of uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the West London where Park. the deleted scene is set. So yeah, because they were saying like oh, they just allowed them to walk around the place because there's no point in trying to keep them anywhere because the yeah. justice field does everything they need to so they they've, they've built their own society where there's no crime rather yeah. than just removing people from society it's such a nice it's such a well-built model it's such mm-hmm. a gorgeous design yeah no. but those like those like that sort of kind of um like beams almost almost look a bit space 1999 yes i forget the name of the ship mm-hmm. but like the yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was reminds me of star wars that thing <laughs> JMC logo on the side of the gun that pops out of stuff. And that was meant to that was meant to be the the neutron missile thing that fires into the sun. Yeah, was the meant to be that. Yeah, yeah, that's part of the planet pool. 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 And I just think of um, Dimension Jump when I see that shot. I want to know where these planets are. And you never see this shot either. The uh, the the flame. The, yeah, it looks like an ass. <laughs> it's not <laughs> famous. It's not as good as these shots. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, if again, that swirly, like <laughs> Doctor Who title sequence type effects. Yeah, so good. Yeah. All in camera. Love it. Ooh. Lovely hand. That's a blue screen composite. Oh. And that's like a lemon juice hat. I've never not seen it as a lemon juice <laughs> <laughs> I never realised how geekery that it looks. I've never really paid attention yeah, to Yeah, that's true. Because yeah, the mutation's like, quite Very geekery. alien. Yeah. Yeah. The little ribs yeah, poking out of it. Ribs and pipes and penises everywhere. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> That's the episode title. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? That's oh, that's Camille. Yes, that's the shipping Camille. Yeah, it's all yeah. all all sorts of orders. Uh, yeah. yeah, and maybe in the order that they shut them. Oh, that's finished. <laughs> it's finished. Oh. Never long enough. I, I I didn't I didn't think a commentary on model shots was actually going to work that well, but that was quite good. <laughs> yeah. It's good for you to raise concerns now. <laughs> ah, you just go for it, you know. <laughs> Talk about penises, and it's fine. Yeah. So that was the raw effects footage. Okay. No more commentaries because it would be much more difficult to do a commentary over isolated music cues, <laughs> talking book chapters, or a photo gallery, or a web link. But, yeah, uh, or the <laughs> Easter egg of Rob Duggan Ed talking about Dimension Jump. Oh yeah, which is very very short. 
It's only about yeah. like a minute or so long. It's not very long at all. Before I before I'd sat down, thought, oh, I found the Easter egg, cool. I'll you got your got your cup of coffee. Put I genuinely did. Like, I, ah. I, I got my drink ready. I said, I was like, ow, it's done. <laughs> I can't remember if that that bit of the six of the best CDs that short. It must it, be. It, I, it must, yeah, I don't yeah. see how why they would have cut anything out. But I think the six yeah. of the best thing was half an hour, and it's just one of those things where like they they talk a lot at the start and then yeah. yeah. Some episodes yeah, just get short. It's bound to get shorter as the yeah as they run out of time, <laughs> both in the mm. recording studio and on the oh, CD. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it was a CD, so it could only have been about seventy-four minutes. Oh yeah, true. I always think it was shorter than that. No, yeah, it was a, just over an hour, I think, in total. But they they cannibalize all of it for the DVDs because mm. it but it forms the commentary on um on the end mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, the Eat fake the commentary. Did it start? Did it start with Blade Runner or was did it start with Dark <laughs> Oh, that was a thing. This DVD contains a rare occurrence of Blade Runner being cited as an influence for something in oh, Red Dwarf yeah. before yeah. Back to Earth. <laughs> because <laughs> Howard Burden says that Melly's skirt was based on uh, Blade Runner. Yes, <laughs> I think a whole look, yeah. Yeah, I would, yeah. I would, and uh, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, that is Blade Runner, isn't it? Even the whole... Space Corps thing has got a bit of a Blade Runner vibe to it. It doesn't mm-hmm. help. Rem- it doesn't yeah. count. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, 100% in it. This is... So the other Easter eggs are give us your smegging money, your smegging smeggards. <laughs> the Red Nose Day thing. Oh, yeah. Got... <laughs> Quite everyone, this is for comic relief. Science yes. <laughs> everywhere on the planet. <laughs> Don't want to piss off Lenny Henry. We haven't really. We 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 were talking in in the pre-show, uh, trying to figure out who that would be because we. It's not Agnew because he'd gone by then. Yeah, it could it well be Ed. Like Ed. But maybe so. it doesn't sound like Ed, and he wouldn't be on the floor. He'd be in the gallery. Yeah. Ah, right. Okay. So fuck knows. <laughs> because Kerry Waddell was the floor manager, stage manager, yes. is what she's credited as. We're fairly uh, sure it wasn't her. Not her. Yeah, no, not her. No. And there's no like assistant AFM or anything credited, so. Which And then the other Easter egg is something that's been specially filmed just for the DVD. The Easter egg, Easter egg. Danny is now looking at me as if he didn't find that one. I didn't find that one. Oh, <laughs> I didn't is this one in the recording studio? Yeah. Oh, I remember they, this they're looking... thing, but I'd forgotten about that. Okay, yeah. You, you have to press play or enter on your remote during the transition between the drive room and the episode menu, episode select oh, menu. Oh, right, yeah. Half, halfway, through, halfway through, you see a Scutter holding a tape, oh. and you you tap when you see him. I don't think that would have worked on my PS4, but yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, that might have been a problem with your archaic DVD player. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's it's quite funny. Is Andrew, I think, holding up a little camcorder and going in and they're searching for an Easter egg and it turns out to be under Danny's hat. But the funny thing is that when he takes his hat off and they removes the Easter egg, he's got like, the shape of an Easter egg <laughs> in his afro. <laughs> so he's obviously like, pushed it down into it. Yeah. <laughs> they make a joke at one point which Hattie initiates so it's okay about her hiding a couple of easter eggs under her top <laughs> <laughs> which Danny says oh I can see a couple of easter eggs and then says it again in a west country accent which for some reason is incredibly funny <laughs> I can see a couple of easter eggs 
He's doing an impression of Bobby or something. <laughs> and them's the eggs. Them's the eggs. That's it. That's a lot. What was the talking book chapters for? You're going to make me open up my hole. review. Soz. I mean, yeah, it's probably like, the it's white hole. Like if I could have done it myself or anything. It could. It pretty much could only have been the white hole bits because um, that's the only bit from series four onwards that's in the original novels. The books, was yeah, there... it's the only thing and that they... was in the books first. Yeah, because they didn't have um, either. They didn't have the rights, or they chose not to include the uh, last human or. Back to uh, backwards. <laughs> back oh, to talking books. Oh, so the A Swimmer stuff is in. Oh, okay, yeah, that's in. Backwards, yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Different, um, different publishers, right? I think. Of the talking books, yeah. Of the talking books, yeah, yeah. If I remember, yeah, I think it is. It's two clips from Better Than Life, and if I remember rightly, one of them is Part Two, Chapter Five, um, and the other one is Part One, Chapter Eleven. I think, just off the top of my head. Honestly, one of the greatest minds of our generation. <laughs> Memory that? man. <laughs> Lord Mayor's memory man. Anything in the oh the photo gallery? I I actually managed to get that working on my PS4. So. Oh, it's good. My favourite bit and this and the last one was the Polaroids, like the continuity Polaroids. You just get to see them, sort of not in character, not posed. Oh yeah, just kind of yeah, Nicholas sort of Ball slice of life. in particular. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They should really have included the Polaroids that were used for the double Polaroid scene. <laughs> that should have been an Easter egg. <laughs> Some debate as to you know, whether that was a real dick just to, to get the reaction from, from Craig. But like Lister, he should have, it should have been very clear what it was with even from seeing the first just one. one of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you don't know what angle he did it from because oh, he, he's, he's not used to <laughs> human dicks. penises. Yeah. Um. I think we've finished this dwarf cast. Anything in the collector's book? Uh, didn't forgot to read the collector's book. So did I. Well, unfortunately, there's no like extra leaflets advertising stuff in this one because yeah, they're always are. fun to look back on with twenty years down the drain. <laughs> twenty years down the line. <laughs> but yeah, the the booklet just of the usual high standard of of these booklets. Mm. By the way, I'm going to mention this because I don't think we've mentioned it ever in a dwarf cast before, and it's a not very widely known thing. Is the all the original booklets for the first eight series can be found on the Blu-rays in the Blu-ray box set? Oh yeah, it's, it's something that they don't draw attention to at all. It was never mentioned on TAS or on official socials. It's certainly not mentioned in any of the leaflets or any of the Blu-ray box set itself. But if you want digital copies of these, the PDFs are all on the respective series blu-ray discs that's quite nice if you that, have that, a blu-ray that, again, drive on your computer not something they could that not something they had to do but something they did regardless yeah. and that's kind of nice something that there was no uproar when we assumed that they weren't on there and yeah. very few people know that they are on there yeah. but so just we were too busy uproaring about other things <laughs> and there was much uproaring and that just about brings this edition of the Dwarfcast Rediscovery to an end. Uh, so if you want to talk about any of the things that we've said, you can leave a comment over at www.ganymede.tv or you can tweet us 
Twitter handle is Ganymede Heighton. Okay. So this should give you an idea of the kind of person we're working oh, with. Okay. Do make sure you're subscribed for more Dwarfcasts. Uh, we'll be back soon with the next edition of the Smegazine Rack. There'll be more rediscoveries to come for Series 5 onwards. And lots more exciting ideas that we've got in the pipeline. But until then, as always... Ed bye, everybody. Ed bye. Thank you for listening to GNT Dwarfcast, and we hope sometime in the future you'll decide to listen to our Dwarfcast again. Have a safe onward journey. Goodbye. So, yeah, the cat is, um, my cat <laughs> is uh, currently staying with Joe's mom. Uh, because we needed someone to look after her while we're on holiday, and the easiest thing in the end was to take her up there. So a few a couple of weeks ago now, <laughs> I was talking to my uh, teammates at work on a Zoom, and <laughs> um, I they said, "Oh, is is your daughter looking forward to the holiday?" And I said, "Yeah, she's really into it. In fact, she already thinks that our cat's on holiday." Um, and before I went on to explain what I meant, uh, one, of, one of my t- one of my producers went, "Oh, I'm sorry." <laughs> I went, "What?" He went, "Oh, you, is she actually on holiday?" I said, "Yeah, she's staying with my mother-in-law for a few weeks." And he went, "Oh, yeah, it's when I was little. My parents told me my dog was on holiday." <laughs> oh, no, it's a awoken trauma. <laughs> Whoa! You saying my rabbit's dead? <laughs> when did you think it was? Next door. <laughs> and so that just about brings this episode of Dwarfcast Recovery to an end. No. Recovery. Oh, no, no, Dwarfcast Recovery is what I'm going to be doing in about half an hour. <laughs> <laughs>